2: And welcome to our final midweek motorsport of 2018. It's series 13, would you believe it, as we draw our 13th year of midweek motorsport to a close with episode number 48 tonight. But it's not the end of our live broadcasting for the year and we'll have more news on that later in the show. It's a big Wednesday tonight because following this show, it's the Continental Tyre. 2018 season review and that's worth listening to it was played out a couple of weeks ago but a few people missed it so before we uh, put it up as a podcast we're going to stick it on tonight so just leave it on afterwards and enjoy looking back at that season Uh, on a packed program tonight we'll have quite a lot of stuff and we'll find out exactly what that is after i've said good evening and welcome back to the man who was a bit unclean last week We've had the Lurgy. Our executive producer, Tim Greer, has been uh, using homeopathic remedies, wrapping himself no, in seaweed, hasn't. all of that stuff. How are you feeling, Tim?
3: I'm a scientist. I don't believe in homeopathy. <laughs> I'm a scientist. It's bunkum.
2: Okay. Chris Bunkum.
3: Uh, more about him later.
2: Yeah. Um, uh, up in London, uh, and on your PAP programme tonight, we have what? Uh,
3: we have all the usual features, we have uh, a selection of guests. Uh, Nick Damon will be joining us. Shadon will be joining us. Um, Andrew... I've forgotten his name. Cotton. Andrew Cotton will be joining us. Liz Car Engineering editor. Car Engineering. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a big interview with Andy Merrick. Yes. And we have a big announcement as well. Big announcement. Big announcement.
2: Yes. All good stuff to squeeze into the next...
3: And also... Uh, if you're planning on staying around after the show and listening to the Conti Tyres yes. uh, season review, uh, but you're not a fan of the Conti Tyres uh, series, don't worry, because there's something for everyone. It has uh, reviews of the uh, Lamborghini Super Trofeo Good North point. America, Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge, and the IMSA prototype challenge by Mazda.
2: Good, yes, the development series. Uh, let's do a bit of housekeeping. Uh, first of all, hello to Velosuds who... Is uh, tuning in tonight. it was in his diary. Uh, Whelan says, our oh, Lama who drives a Porsche. Uh, sorry, I, I I see what that was all about. That was uh, the act of contrition that we had earlier on. I'll come back to that later because that's quite good. Uh, to Jesse Young, uh, right-turn lover, uh, Richard Creel is going to be uh, listening in tonight as well.
3: Well, it's this morning uh, for him, isn't it? Or it's tomorrow morning, morning for him.
2: Yeah, uh, hello to Daniel, hello to Sean Randall, dreaded AFA uh, for the afternoon shift, but he would be listening to the podcast, hello. Hello to John McCarthy, who is also listening in tonight, and good news for Sarah Rigby, uh, she uh, said earlier on today, apologies in advance if I'm late home from the evening clinic, but I've just spotted further up my timeline that uh, she was close to home, so hopefully she's got home in time to listen to it. Uh, also, uh, hello to Michael Denny, listening on the uh, M25 this evening, which is London's orbital motorway. It was chaos down there earlier on when I was coming back uh, from the airport. Is
3: that because you were on it?
2: I was off it mostly because it was just pointless. Bottom of the M40. In fact, what the M4, where the M4 joins, the M40. The M1 and the A1M, we all uh, had accidents at the bottom of them. Um, Michael looking for his long-awaited Christmas break. Uh, Kevin Payne says, "Uh, apologies for me. I'm watching the YouTube highlights of the 2018 Rolex 24 in preparation for our visit in January. Another tick off the bucket list. Thanks to Helen at Travel Destinations for organising it of well, those guys last week as well, actually. And ah, yes, there we are. You had seen Sarah. Uh, she was oh, she was almost home twenty-seven minutes ago. Uh, jets in as well. Looking to the forward to all the big uh, n- news today. No apologies necessary. Chris Alphabey, seeing. Um, I have a class that was rescheduled for the first fifteen minutes, but I might be able to catch the tail end. The rest of it will be on the podcast. Adrian Michael Reese, AMR says, listening with one ear and unsuccessfully blocking out third party Christmas music during an evening shift. Uh, RTL listening with both ears on the sofa tonight. And Christ- Christopher Magius no ears, ears, ears from me either. I'm on my way to the laundromat this afternoon where he is and listening in as he goes. Play the jingle, let's get cracking.
3: Sorry, I wasn't ready for that. I was looking at my phone. Uh, Here comes—I'm shuffling my papers. Here comes a jingle.
0: All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek motorsport.
2: And our first news story tonight—not exactly breaking news as such, uh, because it's the continuation of a story uh, from last week, if you remember. Andrew Cotton, the editor of Race Car Engineering, uh, was on his way to PRI uh, before the LMP 2020 regs uh, were uh, released after the World Motorsport Council. And we did say take a week and have a look at them. So we've got him back on. Good evening, Andrew. Good evening. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, An awful lot happened last Wednesday after you and I talked when you were on the way to the aeroplane. A whole load of IMSA news uh, as well, and we'll pick up on some more of that with Shea Adam later on tonight. Um, Have you had a chance to have a look at these regulations, and are you confident with you and your team at Race Car Engineering that you know what's going on with them no (laughs) in a word um we have had a look at them
4: and we understand that uh, they've done a very good job of pulling together these regulations in a record amount of time Mm. um, to get everybody around a table uh, to sit them down run through everything to nail down All of these uh, parameters, power, aero, weight, tyres, BSFC, weight distribution, suspension, control Mm. systems, they're all completely nailed to the ground. Uh, There's very little room for manoeuvre for everybody, but the big question is always how many are going to sign up to this and who's coming and uh, what's what's Le Mans going to look like in a couple of years' time?
2: Uh, and who comes the first year as well, I suspect, will be the other question. Uh, we asked for some questions from the listeners' collective, both on Twitter uh, and uh, on uh, uh, on the collective itself on Facebook. Uh, most people asking questions about the engine, David Faulkner, Jake Cooper, uh, Nick Wade, all asking similar things. Uh, and in, in fairness, uh, I... When I read the, uh, the text, I wasn't entirely certain uh, about this. I thought that looked like a stock engine, um, mm. but it seems as though it can be a bespoke race engine as well. And that takes us into slightly different regulations of what you can do with it.
4: Yeah, I think I read it the same way, um, but it's not true. You can, as a manufacturer, create a bespoke race engine if you partner up with an external supplier. So if Ginetta or Orica or somebody... Might I uh, say they...
2: Aston Martin and Cosworth or something like that?
4: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They could link with, uh, with uh, Zytec or they could link, uh, or Gibson even, uh, or they could link with Mechachrome, mm-hmm. and then they would have to be Aston Martin, Cosworth or... Uh, Toyota, uh, uh, Gibson, or something like that. Which, which, whichever way you put it, um, obviously those are not going to, or the, that latter one is not going to happen. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, but it does mean that you've got packaging and uh, weight advantages. Although when I spoke to the FIA yesterday, they they think that they've got a pretty good measure on every type of engine so if you build a production engine or if you build a race engine they think that they can balance them they said we can't control the budget uh, from a manufacturer what they want to spend if they want to go away and and develop they have the ability to do so but uh, it's the same as the gt3 regulation you have the opportunity to go away and develop but you will be performance balanced back in and i think that's pretty much where the fia is planning to go what they have said, I think what they're, they're trying to do is open the doors to as many different types of OEM that they can and private teams as well and just let them go and see see what comes out the other side.
2: I, I said last week when we were talking to John DeGase live, you know, we scratched our heads a little bit when we first saw the LMP1 hybrid regulations and yet it developed. Uh, and pro- uh, produced fantastic racing, and it, it pushed development of technology on two massive ticks for the ACO on on that. I, I presume they'll be hoping that this goes uh, the the same way. Joe joe taylor uh, asks this question and it's still on the engines and and something that you mentioned there with the rules stating that using a road-based engine allows additional technology such as variable valve timing are any potential oem entrants likely to go down that route rather than a pure race engine and and as an additional, basis do the ex- additional technologies allowed outweigh the benefits of designing a racing engine from scratch, which are, which would op- obviously be totally optimised to the rules? There's, there's different things that you can use in terms of um, uh, exotic materials as well, isn't there?
4: Yeah, they they have tried very hard, and and everybody who I've spoken to has said they kept a very good lid on the uh, on the costs. So the MG UK, the engine and everything, the, the, the BSFC, is relatively easy to hit. So 180 kilos for the engine. They, they think that that's relatively easy to hit, and it's deliberately designed that way. Um, they're trying to keep the cost as low as possible. They're trying to make the regulations as accessible as possible. The question about the road car parts, uh, one, of, one manufacturer representative has asked, can a road car part... Or a car that's uh, a part that's provide that's designed for a production car, be
2: able to do a 24 hours around Le Mans. Yeah, yeah, and that is that's always going to be the the issue uh, with reliability, particularly if you can't use yeah. the exotic materials, um, or all of the exotic materials trying to keep the engine down. There's an engine weight limit as well. I noticed when I was um, reading through. Um, let's talk about the the hybrid side of things. The MG. MG UK, uh, the or the ers, if you some people are calling it that. Um, the way I read it, Andrew, and, and tell me if I'm right or wrong here, uh, because I might not know. <laughs> well, no, I, I think this one's a fairly easy one. A number of people uh, asking asking this one um, about uh, whether the ers system has to be linked with the engine that you use um, if you're going for the twenty five and a hundred. Um, uh, homologation
4: yes you have to you have to produce these 25 and 100 as a, a power unit which is engine ah. and ERS system uh, it is uh, ERS system ERS uh, it is the same thing they have to they have to produce them
2: so you couldn't then therefore take a an existing engine and I'm, I'm not going to put, put this out there but we know it's there so let's say the Ford engine at the moment that's used in the dp or has been used in the dpi in the past now used in the um now used in the ford gt you couldn't use that and that's a production based engine so they've already um they've already fulfilled the 25 and 100 um yeah. so so you couldn't use that and bolt somebody else's ers ers or MG UK unit onto it
4: uh i'm not sure that that's the case but what i spoke to when i spoke to the fia they said uh the parameters they can uh, if it fits all of the parameters then it can be retrofitted so if you already had an engine that was 180 kilos it already had that bsfc it already had the crankshaft height it already had everything that was that uh was laid out in the regulations and i guess I didn't ask the question, but I guess with the PU, uh, with the with the ERS fitted as well, mm-hmm. that that could then be used. But they don't know of anybody who's looking to do that.
2: So everybody is, is looking to, to have a system that runs together. And Greg Sampson asks, um, and, and this is a key one, and there was some misunderstandings about this early on although I have to say I, I spoke with a couple of people very early on and I, I read it the way I think it's going to be applied Greg Sampson says does the 25 and 100 rule, 25 cars um, uh, using the power unit and the ERS uh, unit in the first year of competition 100 in the second That's I believe that's an extra 75 not an, not an extra 100 but I'll, 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 I'll take your word for that as well Does that apply to the chassis or only the engine? It is only the engine, isn't it?
4: It is the engine, yes. Uh, The question is, you know, what stage do you have to get this thing to before you can start racing? Mm. Um, The FIA have said that they can, and aren't expecting everybody to be ready in time for the first race of the season. You can enter after the first race, which is not the case at the moment in this super season, which is why Ginetta is not able to take the cars and run it itself. Uh, it is only the the team that can run it. And there um,
2: is, uh, sorry, go ahead.
4: No, no, that, that was it. Um, uh, so you, they are going to allow people to to wait until after the season starts, starts. to enter. Uh,
2: and there is a fuel flow regulation, as the as there was, as there is still with with LMP1 hybrid.
4: Yeah, uh, there's also uh, talk. Control as well. They're going to they're going to have a look at that. So I think all in all, they've come down quite hard on all of the parameters where they think people are going to spend a lot of money. Mm. Uh, what it has meant is that we've got some very restrictive regulations. There's not a huge amount of wiggle room for anybody to uh, to produce these these cars. Um, I mean, even with the weight distribution set at 48.5% front. Uh, within 1.5 percent you know what either, does that achieve
2: per- why i i read that and i thought yeah okay but i i don't understand why that's done tell me why that's done what are well, they it's trying done to control
4: exact, it, it's exactly the same as it is in formula one uh what they're trying to do i guess is is limit where the engine goes the gearbox and right. and so on and try and try and introduce some parameters to stop people doing some strange strange things
2: so does that preclude the use of a front-engined car then
4: I don't know what the what the front or what the the balance was on the Nissan I guess you're you're referring to the Nissan um but you know with a with a front mid-engined mm. uh I don't know exactly what because it's on the front you would guess you would guess that it was it was higher at the front wouldn't it, you
2: yeah it's it's uh it's on the front axle that uh, yeah. as Andrew was was mentioning uh, there um as far as um, before we move away from the engines and the drivetrain, because that was clearly the thing that, that caught people's eye. Um, yes. Do we, do we think that people might turn up with a GT3 engine, a GT, or at least a GT3-based engine? you know There are plenty of them out there. They do 24-hour races. Uh, they, they are plentiful. They are developed by the racing arms, the customer racing arms of current manufacturers. First of all, would it be legal? And secondly, would it be suitable?
4: Uh, if it meets all the parameters, then yes, and the parameters are fairly fixed. Mm. Um, so, if if it meets the regulations, then yes, of course. Uh, then you would take a, a ERS system from a specialist manufacturer. You might be able to bolt it on and go racing. But mm. to to race with an ERS, it, it's quite it's not the work of a moment. You'd have to you'd have to be very careful about. Uh, just saying that this is legal, uh, it may be legal and it may be accepted, but then is it going to be competitive compared to a pure race engine? Um,
3: y- Can I y- ask a engine-related question before you move on?
2: Yes, of course. Tim Gray up in London.
3: So if in your first year of running this car you have an engine and you've produced the 25 of them, 25 engines in 25 straight cars yes what's to stop you from changing to a different engine for your second year and only having to produce another 25
4: i think that's covered by in the first year of competition
2: correct
3: um right
4: i'm 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 going to take a a guess at this Uh, these are quite complicated regulations to to get your head around and and i've struggled as well um but what i understand is that if you if it's the first year of competition then the year that that engine is running you need to produce 25 Correct. if you then introduce a new engine as you are allowed to do on performance or uh, reliability grounds or you introduce your new car it's a five-year homologation you're allowed to produce two cars within that five years then I guess you'd have to do another 25
2: yeah uh, I th- I think you'd have to do a hundred in the second year of competition even if you change the car because it, it's, it talks about series production of your engine it right. doesn't say the first year of competition for that engine. It says the first year that you are entered in competition. I suppose you could change the name. Um, there'd be ways around it, of course. Um, uh, what, what, uh, in, in, right, we'll put that to one side. Um, uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. Uh, Andrew Cotton from Risk Car Engineering is on the line with us again as we have a look at these 2020 LMP uh, regulations. We don't know what the car's going to be called yet. Um, in terms of the category, whether it stays as LMP1, whether it becomes uh, GTP or, or whatever. Um, what I didn't see in those regulations, and a number of people have commented on this as well on Twitter throughout the week, Andrew, is an awful lot of detail about bodywork. Now, first of all, let's just reiterate, you don't have to build uh cars based on the race car for the road that that is, thats isn't part of this there's things about um, wheelbase and the length and the width are a little bit different from what they are now um, but what I'm not seeing is anything in there that says, as it does for example in IMSA that you have to have styling cues suggestive of the people who are providing the engine I didn't see any of that in these rigs
4: No, uh, I, I admit I didn't look for them, but um... I th- think if you're going to produce a car, though, then you're going to you're going to take advantage of it. Your car is going to be balanced according to a point on the lift-drag ratio. Uh, and this is what manufacturers have said about the wind tunnel time. And the FIA weren't very clear about this. The amount of wind tunnel time that you spend getting as close to that point on the lift-drag ratio as you possibly can in all conditions. So the development is not going to be for performance necessarily it's going to be to get as close as you can to this point Mm -hmm. they'll still spend the same amount of money they'll still spend the same amount of time in the wind tunnel there it's just that their targets are going to be slightly different but if you have that then why would you not introduce some some styling cues from your road car
2: there's quite a lot of areas on the car that are um forbidden areas in in point of fact so are we going to get a lot of cars that look very similar
4: I think we probably will. The, the regulations are quite pres- pres- prescriptive. Yeah, it's a difficult word to say. Prescriptive,
2: yes, absolutely. Yeah,
4: thank, thank God I haven't had a glass of wine yet. Um, <laughs> the cockpit uh, sizes, the the amount of or the volume of area for the passenger side is, is already described. The uh, cockpit is going to be wider. Uh, the one thing I, I didn't see, which... Uh, I've asked Toyota to confirm, is about the seating position. Mm -hmm. Uh, We at Race Car Engineering have have reported Toyota's uh, thumbs uh, investigation into back injuries and seating position. I didn't see a more upright seating position, but I may have misread that. Um, But certainly we've seen a couple of back-breaking accidents Mm -hmm. uh, it's partly attributable to the position of the driver and so i hope that by these cockpit regulations and have the driver sat a little more upright and be able to protect them a little bit more in a frontal impact uh,
2: the uh, I, I i have to say i am quite excited by this whole concept uh, as you've rightly said it'll live or die by how many people jump into a glicken house uh, have have said all along and they've been looking at the regulations i've swapped some uh, communications with uh, Jesse House who we had on the show a few weeks ago uh, they're very much looking at it, they're, they're just moving into their new premises uh, by the way they're also going to produce a full house uh, GT3 car as well, which I'm very excited about um, what what are we going to see, what do you think we're going to see what is the, what's the gossip in terms of the manufacturers we know that BMW were very much for um, the GTE cars being turned up and run at the front. They're one of the newer GTE cars, of course, out there. Um, Porsche were not so keen on that, among a couple of others. Who are we going to see jumping into this? Toyota's got to be a given. Otherwise, why would we have these regulations? And I like, and I think that the, the streetcar aspect of the engine helps them with their uh, financing part of it. Um, Aston Martin, McLaren, Ferrari, who? Who are we going to get?
4: Well, I think all of them are possible. Um, we we know from talking to some of the suppliers in in Indianapolis that the the suppliers have already started work a long time ago, about a year ago, on mapping out what their requirements would be in the event that the regulations turned out. Fortunately, as they have done, so they're they're quite close to where they expected to be. Uh, they have, I think, there's a couple of manufacturers that have been working on them one a good deal longer than the others which, so i'm going to assume that that's toyota uh, another one we understand uh, from uh, from various conversations so that has pushed the button a month or two ago uh, i assume that could be aston martin or it could be mclaren but we don't know but the issue that i've always had is that the FIA and ACO have approached all of the manufacturers that are currently competing in GTE and asked them to step up. So they went to see Aston Martin, they've gone to see Porsche, they've gone to see you know, uh, Ferrari, and they want them all to step up. And I'm not sure what that's going to leave behind. If they did all step up, would they all run dual GTE no. and gtp programs of no. course they wouldn't no. so are they looking to kill gte is now the time to look at gte and say maybe that the cars are too developed uh, and that it is time that they did something a little bit different that's certainly what manufacturers have have said to me privately that maybe there's a time to look at gte and do something very different with it um in the terms problem of... there
2: is that if you're going to and, and you know you'll have been speaking to the same people that i have when you speak to those GTE manufacturers, competitors, uh, constructors at the moment, and you talk to them about this concept, what they say is um, one of two things. Either, right, we like it because it gives us the chance for something that looks like a street car to win Le Mans outright. Zach Brown told me that a couple of years ago at Le Mans. He's on mm-hmm. record. Saying that, uh, and there are a couple of other manufacturers who like that idea and, and they feel that they could make uh, marketing gain out of that. But on the other side of it, there are people like Porsche who go, We haven't got anything that we can make the leap to. Same with Audi, Chris Rankin, absolutely saying. There's nothing for us, and BMW have come out and said the same. There's nothing for us in our portfolio that makes any sense for us to make that link to, and therefore the concept, as far as they're concerned, doesn't help them. And yes, please, we'll continue racing our GT cars, and that's that's the danger, isn't it? It is
4: the danger. Um, I, I. That's don't a know. challenge. They, they, it's a challenge
2: they, for the ECU. They've, so they've
4: had a lot of manufacturers sitting around the table. Mm discussing this uh, they haven't been you know there's some that have just been there to observe but a lot of them have been participating in the formulation of these regulations it's a question of whether the FIA and ACO have been listening and done what the uh, manufacturers have asked or whether they've gone their own way and the manufacturers have disagreed with it enough to walk away or they've disagreed with it but they're prepared to follow them and that that's the that's the crux of it how, of the manufacturers that are sitting around the table, how many of them are going to go with these new regulations? Yes. And we don't actually know. The people, don't forget, who are sitting around the table are not the decision makers. No. They're the ones who have to try and formulate the the regulations to a point that they can go back and sell to their Uh, to their boards and to their decision makers, to the money men. And they then have to be be able to look at the regulations and say, yes, this is what we want. We can support this. We can go with it. And we, as you've just pointed out, we have some manufacturers that have said there's no way that we can do this. It doesn't fit with anything that we've got. And there are others that are saying we'd love to do it. Um, If you if they commit and they then are able to find any loopholes in the regulations and the loopholes benefit them, you know, then then maybe they'll, they'll have a bit more a bit more clout in the in the negotiating.
2: I, I certainly think that we talked about Cosworth earlier on it, it, in almost a throwaway. Where they have, of course, got a system from the NSX powertrain, the Cosworth Honda three and a half later half litre V6 and hybrid system. I'll mm. I'll be very surprised if that doesn't pop up somewhere, um, either with Aston Martin or Red Bull. That, that,
4: that is one of the good things about these regulations. You know, a lot of people have been knocking right it on open. social media, right and open. I don't, I don't actually get it. If, you know, you, if it opens up to a manufacturer and it opens up to a supplier, we've been crying out for places for suppliers, you know, like Cosworth, or Gibson, or somebody like that, to be able to go racing. There's very, very few places in racing where they can do that. LMP1 uh, has always been quite open and. Uh, to 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 these companies even if under current regulations it's too expensive for them to get there lmp2 is closed shop Uh, gt3 is pretty much manufacturers only Mm -hmm. Uh, gte also Mm -hmm. Um, and and then if you look around the motor racing spectrum there's very few places for them to go and race so if these regulations give them a place to actually sell their wares then it should be something to be celebrated.
2: Yeah, I agree, and I like the wide open regulations. Um, you can, you know, you can size, turbocharged, non-turbocharged. All right, it can't be a diesel, uh, and it can't be a two-stroke. Um, so it's, you know,
4: five-stroke.
2: Or, or you have know, a five-stroke. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, the up and downy bits are fairly, fairly open in terms of what you might might see out there. Before I let you go, um, just a little bit on some of the sporting I mean, we're still only scratching the surface, and, and I, I, just, I suggest there'll be stuff that comes out of out of this uh, in the next f- few weeks over the Christmas and New Year's break, and we can reconvene next year. I think, actually, to be honest, before we go on to the sp- sport and rigs, no, I tell you what, we'll do the sport and rigs, and then I'll, I'll do a wrap up with you. Sport and rigs um, saw some of the surprises. Um, oh, actually, sorry. One other thing I've got to mention about the technical rigs: movable aerodynamic devices, of course. Um, which yeah, that that,
4: that that really frightens me. If you've got something that goes around uh, Formula One circuits that are all nice and clean and shiny and, and flat and smooth and everything, then that's one thing. But as soon as you take it around Le Mans, where, don't forget, we've had cars overheating because they get plastic bags stuck in their, in their mm-hmm. air vents, you know, there's the opportunity to, to have a failure, I think, is high Check at print. Le Mans, but... I'll bow to, to superior engineering uh, minds. If they think that it's OK, they think that it works, then away you go. You don't um, have to have it, them
2: at Le Mans, of course. You could have them for the rest of the season. There's other things that they're not going to have at Le Mans, like the, uh, like the uh, success ballast.
4: Uh, that, yeah, well, we had that discussion about success ballast last week. I, I no. think if you if you introduce success ballast, you've got it wrong in your regulations. You you shouldn't ever need it. Um, but, yes, you can. I mean, they, they said that they put these in for... Uh, efficiency reasons. Uh, also, they've clarified with me yesterday that uh, there won't be specific DRS zones or no. anything like that. Uh, you will be able to do, if you so chose, a whole lap of Le Mans with this thing wide open. Uh, so that's going to be quite interesting. Uh, I like the we'll sound wait, of that. We'll wait and, <laughs> um, there's one point I think we all know that they, you'd close it, but, but the rest <laughs> of the life, you can leave it, you leave it wide open and go for it. Um, and that, that's quite an interesting point.
2: In summary then, Andrew, and I mean, you had the opportunity to be with a lot of people from the industry, and by that I don't necessarily mean um, mortar manufacturers, um, parts suppliers, tier two suppliers, if you will. this is good for the business of motor racing, isn't it? I, I said right at the outset when this was being talked about, before we even saw a full set of regulations, if Martin Beren had been alive, he'd already have knocked out 10 tubs by now, and he'd be touting t- 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 them out there for use with 27 different, different engines. This, but this is good news for the, the business of motor racing.
4: It is. Uh, people who I've spoken to uh, out in PRI and, and since I got back, uh, they like what they see. The... the technology is not so extreme that that you're looking at massive budgets um the motor manufacturers are looking at the attempts to con- curtail budgets and and not really taking them too seriously because they they don't believe that this is possible um but the technology that's there will allow uh, manufacturers uh, part suppliers to be able to produce parts that will work and and we all know that uh, European uh, engineering really needs that kind of uh, that kind of regulation because they need a place to go and, and improve and develop and create and pass on to other uh, other areas of industry.
2: The, the final qu- set of questions um, that came in all basically fell into the same area, and that is what happens with the current LMP1. Privateer cars and P2. Well, nothing happens to P2, otherwise, other than they'll have to be slightly rebalanced. I think in, yeah, in terms be of their speed, down. exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's a fair point. You, you, you had, I mean, let's be honest. LMP1 has been a, perhaps slightly more successful than even the ACO expected it to be. You've got guys with potentially only one more season after this one in what is relatively new. Uh, relatively new equipment. Are we likely to see those grandfathered in? Is that a question that's been asked? I know it's not in the regulations, but is that a question that you've asked and have you had any clarity on it?
4: I haven't had any clarity on it. I have asked the question. Um, I you might and, have. I think, and I think the manufacturers have asked the question as well, the teams that are currently competing. Um, I think they uh, there is an intention to grandfather, but I think it all depends on how successful these new regulations are. If you suddenly get six, seven, eight cars on the grid... Um, and you have to slow down the LMP2 cars to to allow them to be to have a, a performance advantage that they're likely to win. Where, what do you do with the current cars? Do you have to slow them right down and try and fit them in the gap? In which case do you you know, how, how does it work? There's a lot to be uh, analyzed before I think they can make that decision. Um, they, the teams that have currently got the cars are uh, very worried about it, I think. Mm-hmm.
2: It could give us a weird result in the first year, particularly at some of the bigger races like the the long race like Le Mans and Sebring if they go back there. Um, you know, I remember back in 1998, that Porsche GT1 wasn't meant to win the race. There were proper open top world sports cars in there, but they were unreliable. Well, same in
4: 1995 with the McLaren. Exactly.
2: You
4: know? <laughs> Nobody looks back on it and goes, oh, terrible result, do they? No, we all no. look back and say, yeah, that, that, that's great. If you win Le Mans, if you if you even finish it Le Mans, you've done a great job. Uh, if you win Le Mans, then you've done an exceptional job. And I don't think anybody would be, be complaining. Don't forget, we almost had an LMP2 car winning last year.
2: Yeah.
4: Um, and nobody looked at it and said it would have been the wrong result. It would have been the right result. And I think everybody would have celebrated it.
2: Yeah, absolutely agree. Andrew, I know you've got plenty to do. Uh, thank you to you and the team. And we'll have to get, we'll have to get uh, Gemma on as well, Gemma Hatton on, in the next few weeks. Uh, yeah, when we I know get you back. wanted
4: to discuss tyres. That's a, that's a whole area that I haven't even gone into looking at, uh, uh, you know, the, the loss of uh, Frick and things like that. It's, uh, yeah, the, the whole dynamics of the car are completely different, and I think that the tyres are going to, uh, are a major source uh, of performance, and I think that's going to be a difficult one to get your head around.
2: Front and rear interconnected suspension is what he was talking about there. It wasn't a bad word, although I have a suspicion that he's been sitting up night, at night swearing, particularly when reading uh, the regs in the, in the original French Uh, Andrew thank you very much for your time wish you the best uh, for you and the team on uh, race car engineering across the Christmas and New Year period and we'll talk to you in 2019
4: yeah and to you and and can I say Happy New Year uh, to you and all the listeners and thank you for another great year of wonderful coverage
3: Andrew Cotton from race car engineering there well uh, earlier in the week John spoke to someone who used to run a uh, Le Mans team I did and, He's written about uh, everything in racing. Uh, yes, he did GP2. I mean, that's, that's why I'm so excited about this. And he ought to be the subject of a long one in the future. So next time you see him, plant the seed. Will do. Uh, we're talking about David Price, and uh, John asked if he was excited by these regulations.
1: Well, it, it appeared, though, they were going in the right direction. But what I've heard in Bahrain last week, that perhaps things are not quite what they... Some people expected them to be particularly from what Toyota are doing now and the goalposts seem to have moved a little and whether they'll come back to where everyone expects them to be. I think everyone's trying to make it affordable like most racing series. They're trying to make it affordable where the privateers can compete. I think I'm probably a bit past it now to be thinking about putting together a programme myself you know I'm kind of retired you know well at least I think I am
2: You tell me you're retired every time Mm -hmm. I see you at a racetrack with somebody's shirt on though (laughs) dear.
1: Yeah well I I have really and I'm at the moment I'm helping Stephen Stephen's a friend of mine with with Bullet and he wanted to go racing and we live we've known one another for a while and and, um, I'm kind of helping him out really
2: (laughs) Are the days of Competitive privateers at Le Mans. Then, are we waving goodbye to them? Is it only the factory teams now, even with these potentially these new regulations, that will be able to compete for the overall victory? And if that is the case, are we are we just losing something from endurance racing?
1: Well, possibly, because when I started doing Le Mans, well, even when I did Le Mans in '95, with the two McLarens, which were just privately owned, and Mm. I had a small team of. Even when we went to Le Mans, I think there was only 12 of us. And, um, you know, we managed to finish third in 95. And, and we probably, if we'd have known a bit more then than we know now, mm. we could have, should have won it maybe mm. with the Harrods car. Mm. And I think those days have long gone now. I mean, even the privateers, are, I think it's a thinly vowed description of them as privateers now, you know, because even Jota appear to be well financed and Mm. people like Rebellion and, you know, they do an excellent job and they're not a small team anymore. So, yes, I think you're right. The days of of privateers have long gone, really.
2: The, The financial investment required has been huge. You know, you look at Audi and Porsche and Toyota, they've put many, many millions... Of of euros into into their strategies, although they seem to think it was giving them good return on the investment, which is great, which is great for the sport, of course, as well. Twenty million is the is the budget that the ACO are talking about for that. That still sounds like a lot of money to me, Dave.
1: Why oh, it's a lot of money, and I don't know where you'd even look to find it. I mean, going it back again when I, we we did it with the two McLarens in '95, we were looking at spending one million. And we thought that was a lot of money then. It was a lot of money It was a lot, money a lot of money, of money now. Then. And it took a lot of finding then. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't really know where you'd go and find 20 million as a privateer unless you've got a wealthy partner mm. involved in the operation that's prepared to invest heavily. Because I don't, it doesn't appear to be, well, it doesn't appear to be, there isn't any commercial money, mm. prop, old-fashioned commercial money no. in the sport anymore. No.
2: No, But Le Mans is still the world's greatest motor race and people still want to go there and having it as part of the World Endurance Championship having it as the finale of the World Endurance Championship has clearly been a strategy to enhance that championship and to make sure that Le Mans keeps its place as the world's greatest race
1: Well it is the world's greatest race and there's no doubt about that um, but it has over the years it's had its ups and downs Oh yeah. And but you know it's In recent years, it's been well financed by the manufacturers that have been there. And now their manufacturers are not there. Mm. It needs um, a re-looking at in something. I'm sure the ACO are well aware of that anyway.
2: Uh, They've done well down through the years, haven't they? We've often looked at decisions that they've made that don't necessarily make sense straight away. And then two or three years down the line, you go, ah, okay, that's what they were aiming for.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, this. This whole thing of garage fifty nine a few years mm. ago bringing in some new ideas, and some of them were good, some of them were perhaps not so good, mm. but you know they've they 've always looking for some new ideas, and you 'd have to be in in the way the world is going now, because motor racing is getting quite oh, difficult to compete in now mm. you know unless you 're a manufacturer and and from that 's really I suppose why i 'm glad to be old enough to not have to bother to do it anymore
2: so better being at your end of the career than having to start again now is that what you're saying well exactly i wouldn't want to start again now <laughs> no. thank you very much dave and enjoy the retirement at yeah. all of those race tracks yeah. that you're at thanks a lot mate thanks
3: david price uh, talking about being old earlier in the week
2: yeah and you're right because he was lapsing already into or, or crossing into the long one uh, territory there with some of his reminiscences, but I mean, those are the people that they, these new regs, have got to bring back into the sport uh, if it's going to be successful. Uh, let's go through a few. Actually, let's say good evening to Nick Damon. Hi, Nick. Hello, gang. How are we all? We're very well. Which part of uh, your European capital city tour are you on this week, or are you actually back? I, in I think in nope.
3: Sweden, isn't he?
5: I've just finished Stockholm, I have returned from Stockholm very much poorer, obviously, because I was in Stockholm.
2: <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> indeed.
5: Um,
2: I'll, I'll take some of your thoughts on what you heard from Andrew and, and from DP there, Dave Price as well, in a in a moment. Uh, but the, the AtSpec Entertainment Twitter feed has gone mad. Uh, this evening. Uh, Strikes me that the development, says uh, another Nick Nick Holland here, development of control system and uh, software could be the key to extracting the most out of a package but that's a relatively unrestricted area but is that even sexy says uh, right turn lover even for the geek systems integration it's not easily accessible it's not easy to speak about in glowing terms Uh, surely a top flight private here LMP2 is only a smidge more than the hypercar pace could pull off a surprise, particularly in the early years. I think they're going to slow, have to slow down the P2s quite, quite a lot. Uh, Nick, quick thought from you, Nick, before we uh, we crack on with a, a packed program tonight.
5: Uh, my main thought was it was a lot more prescriptive and detailed a set of regulations and I thought they were going to come out with that quickly
2: I think they did a good job with that and I think that's what Andrew was saying wasn't
5: it? Yeah I know but I, I, it's, it's um, I, I kind of think you, you, you almost want to be a little bit more kind of inviting to different concepts, they were almost so frightened of what might happen that they sat down in the room and tried to close off every avenue I know uh, I, I know they are they're constantly looking to keep some element of uh, cost control in there but you know how much I hate cost control at the Um, top level of the
2: sport yeah they're going to do that they're going to do that anyway keep your thoughts coming in at specutainment Nick Damon joins us uh, as we've mentioned from deepest darkest Milton Keynes and (laughs) what are you going to be throwing at him first of all
3: Uh, we're going to be throwing him some Formula (laughs) 1 hooray and that means we need to play some music oh yes Lawyers
5: I fake music, carry on
3: uh, lawyers. I got a
2: lot of coverage of this where I was
3: I'm sure it did, yes mm. Lawyers acting for former Force India boss Vijay Malia claim he is not a fugitive and did not flee <laughs> from India in March 2016 Instead, the they say he left back. the country to schedule to attend a scheduled meeting of the FIA World Motorsport Council in Geneva There was no secret departure, said Amit Desai India's enforcement directive, who've been trying to extradite Malia on money laundering charges, argues they don't have anything to show that he left in India to attend a meeting. Who goes to a meeting with 300 bags and huge cargo?
5: Well, um, Kim Kardashian, probably.
3: Um,
5: yeah, I mean, it, 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 you know how, and you, we all know how these FIA meetings can drag on. This one's what, you go, know, what, four years now? It's a nightmare. Cause you couldn't possibly go back, could it, if he didn't run away? <laughs>
3: Uh, Meanwhile, the UK judge who ordered Malia's extradition on Monday...
5: Judge Arbuthnot,
2: wasn't it? Yes, Emir
3: Arbuthnot, has criticised India's banks for lending Malia the money in the first place.
5: Well, that is true. Um, But he says it wasn't a loan. To
3: him. there, There was a failure to ensure that the guarantees were taken when they should have been, and a failure to investigate the representations that Kingfisher made at various stages to obtain the loans... Or is this a yeah, case but... of a bank in the thrall of this glamorous, flashy, famous, bejewelled, bodyguarded, and ostensibly billionaire playboy who charmed and cajoled these bankers into losing their common sense and persuading them to put their own rules to one side?
5: Sorry, sorry we do about Flavia Buretory then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, it's not the first airline to crash, and it won't be the last. And my choice of words, India, Indian... yes, yeah, sorry, uh, to fail, uh, no, to cease to the trade. There you go. Um, you know, and it won't be the last. And I am pretty sure that somewhere along the line, some of the financial transactions, whoever was involved with them, would not be would not stand up to scrutiny. But it's not the first time; it's not the last time. And the thing you have to realise about Vijay Malia, be he a good guy or a bad guy, he is certainly on the wrong side of the current um, administration run by uh, by uh, Mr Modi in India. So that doesn't help his his case.
2: That's Narendra Modi. Is there any? I uh, mean. Mention of the Reserve Bank of India being involved in this.
3: Uh, bank of India is uh, certainly one of them. Well, the, Reser- because, uh, the, the Reserve bank, bank. The Reserve of Bank of India, India
2: is 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 the national bank effectively because Urjit um, Patel uh, quit as the governor of that uh, for per- quote unquote personal reasons this week. Uh, he's not going back straight away, Tim, is he, Mr. Malia?
3: Well, he's. Um not uh, announced any plans immediately to travel to India.
2: I presume he's going he's gonna to appeal the decision, isn't he? Uh,
3: who would he be able to appeal to? This has already gone to. Uh, uh, well, that's a magistrate court, court, isn't in. it? Yes, you're so, right.
2: So he's, he's got several courses. So to appeal. He, he could
3: he could uh, could still appeal this. Uh, he has offered to repay 1.25 billion pounds.
5: Lie me. Well, that seems very... How much do you owe again?
3: About £1.25 billion, Mm. although they're chasing him for far more than that. Uh, And uh, I believe he said that uh, uh, the money that uh, they claim his mother-in-law has is not going to be repaid.
5: Well, (laughs) you're never going to get the money off the mother-in-law, are you? Let's be honest about this. (laughs)
2: You said you've got a, a, that sounds bitterness. There's bitterness there somewhere.
5: Uh, are you listening to midweek no, motorsport? No no, 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 no. I've been very lucky the midweek. First wife, not so much. Keep going. All right, moving on. Um...
3: Moving on. Uh, who is as good as Esteban Ocon?
5: Everybody. <laughs> Sorry, who is as good as Esteban Ocon? Yes. All that
3: table tennis uh, at driving a Formula One car very fast.
5: Uh, right, you're going to have to help me out. Who said it? I'll try and guess it knowing who said it. Who said it?
3: Otmar Schaffnauer.
5: Right, so Otmar Schaffnauer might be saying that Lance Stroll is as good as Esteban Ocon.
3: That's exactly what he said, because he is the uh, team boss of Racing Point F1, and Lance Stroll is his new driver who's replaced uh, Esteban Ocon.
5: I'll tell you one thing, Lance Stroll is not as good at qualifying as Esteban Ocon because Lance Stroll is rubbish at qualifying, which is one of his biggest weaknesses. Mm.
3: Lance absolutely loved his time in the car, said the car can do the things he wants a car to do, and that's good. We were duly impressed with Lance.
5: Well, yeah, once he's up and rolling, he's fine. Don't forget, Lance Stroll has gained more positions in the first lap than any other driver over the last two years because he qualifies so badly.
3: Mm. Uh, we've got some good potential in Lance. Uh, we'll work with yeah, him.
5: He's got He's got several pockets, each with a very, very large wallet in them.
3: We'll work with him to hopefully teach him some things we know about how to drive the tyre, how to preserve the tyre, how to make it go quick and last over the stints, and we'll do that with him and help him qualify better too.
5: Even they recognise that point. Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, He brings some great skills. He's quick. He usually does a great job at the start and over the first lap. Uh, He usually makes up places. We look forward to working with him.
5: Lance is fine. He he is obviously the old pay driver now because his dad owns the team, which I think is pretty new even for F one. Uh, but you know he's got a, he's got a pedigree. Um, he is, you know, lot to prove still. But he's also very very young. I think because he's quite he's quite a big big of a stature. You kind of forget he is actually a, still a very young driver.
3: Uh, what is McLaren diversifying into?
5: Anything it can. F one. Uh, no, it got motors. It got push bikes and phones this week.
3: Yes, let's ignore the phones. Because okay. uh, they'll just overheat and then crash.
5: Yes.
2: <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Actually, as I was walking down to catch the plane this morning, there was a huge uh, advertisement with a bright um, orange McLaren, papaya uh, McLaren, uh, with. Uh, fa- what was it? Uh, race cars drive fast on data or something it was for Dell and I felt like saying well only if you're comparing them to a ZX81 Sinclair from 1970s yes I didn't think that, that was is... particularly good ad for them to be honest
5: well yeah I mean it's 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 one of the things about F1 even being the slowest F1 car still means you're blooming quick you're mm. just
3: slower than several other F1 cars mm,
2: absolutely absolutely move on Tim
3: uh uh, yes, the uh, two-wheeled uh, McLaren uh, is a uh, pro-cycling team with uh, Vincenzo Nibali. Really? Yes.
5: This is a, yeah, It's a Bahrain tie-up, isn't it? It's yes. A Bahrain Royal Family investment.
2: Uh, well, given that uh, Sky have just pulled their
5: sponsorship uh, at the end of next season. From... Yes, Sky, have... Yeah. Sky have pulled their sponsorship with Team Sky, so from now on they're just be known as Team.
3: Yes.
2: Absolutely right.
3: It's all about saving money
5: Well
2: Apparently the takeover um, Yes was, They were taking over weren't they Anyway Moving on It has got wheels And the do keeps score, So
3: uh, Olly Oaks
2: Holly Oaks Or Ollie? Oaks Ollie. He said Ollie Particularly there Ah uh,
3: Oliver Oakes, We're not yeah. talking about The uh, Channel 4 soap opera We're talking about uh, The uh, Racing driver turned Team boss Of what? Uh, He's been running high-tech in uh, Formula 3 for a few years. He's
5: going to be a busy busy boy now, isn't he?
3: He's going to be a very busy boy now because uh, high-tech have won the contract to provide all the cars for a whole championship. Really? Yes. Formula W. W Series.
5: No, I I like Formula
3: (sighs) W. Uh, All 18 cars in the championship will be run by high-tech.
2: And that's all we're going to say about that and move on.
3: Exactly. I'd say won the, uh, F3, I take one the F three Asian Championship this year.
2: I've I've got absolutely not, I I defer to Pippa Mann and others for that. I I just can't even bring myself to anyway. Moving on.
3: Uh, they're also going to be racing in uh, F three as well. Okay. Oh, uh, what is Jensen Button going to prioritise in twenty nineteen? He's
5: prioritising. He's um, Super GT. He is.
3: Um,
5: yes,
2: he's, um, gonna, he's not going to be racing is. in the WEC at Sebring or somewhere else, is he?
5: Just doing Lemons. He's only doing Lemons, that's it. He's not doing the, the two other remaining rounds of the Super Season.
2: So, so so the transition season events at Sebring and Spa, he's not at?
5: Nope. He's just doing Lemon. And the the rumour on the street is it's one of the early homes for Sergei Sorokin to do something else.
0: Ooh. Ah.
2: Very good. Any other Formula One refugees finding uh, things to do?
5: Oh, all well, the time. All, there's a lot of Formula One refugees about who are going to have a lovely time at the weekend, aren't there? In in Formula One Refugee season series, uh, also known as also known as Formula E, obviously. Formula Refugee, actually, I quite like it. good. Which actually kicks off the season I've been wanting it to, 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 to be for the season five, isn't it? It is. So, scrub the first four seasons because I didn't like any of them because they changed cars and they're staying with the same car so clean slate let's see what it's like. Let's be honest I can't avoid seeing it because it's on every single channel in the UK so I'm looking forward to seeing it and I should choose it's not, different places to watch. I, I'm right in seeing though that this season that started
2: off um, being supported by ITV with mm. a, a, a studio production etc etc now is not on any free to air at all yes. in the UK. Uh because it's, it's on, on quest because that's quest. free to air yeah. and also
3: BBC red button is free to air
2: <clears throat> right okay
3: but, yeah it, uh, and it's on
5: BT, and BT sport are showing everything including the support race which is jaguars Very clever. You know, in a one make series and and you've got youtube you've got two versions on youtube and that's everywhere across the uk you've got the youtube standard world feed and then a youtube special for you know influencers and the youtube generation which have a different commentary and be all now and buzzy and i don't know probably I won't understand it, and I'll, and I'll just feel old if I watch it.
2: And Porsche are about, will, will be testing their car in March, I've been told.
3: Yes, because they don't enter this season, they enter Correct. next season.
2: Correct.
5: And who's going he drive the car? Brendan Hartley. Brendan Hartley. Mm. That's it. And, uh, obviously, and another, obviously, because he can't drive both cars, however good he is. Richie Stanaway. He needs a drive mm. now. Well, he's got some pretty damaged collateral at the moment.
2: He had the oldest car on the Virgin Supercar grid. <clears throat> oh, uh, in fairness, mm. it was a championship-winning car, but that was four years ago, five years ago. Anyway, moving on. So, Formula E this weekend is in the Middle East, yes. Saudi Arabia, in yeah,
5: Saudi Arabia. Arabia. It would be, be interesting that they've given it a fantastic push. It's had a, a, a lot of media. It's it's not got anything to compete against. So let let's all should we let, let's all agree as motorsport fans to give it a chance. Let's put aside it's not for the likes of our... us. Don't forget though. Yeah, no, 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 no. John, no, John, no, no, let's all put aside all of our prejudices. No, 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 I've got no prejudices. No, no, again. you're absolutely
2: wrong. I have no prejudices, but we are consistently told by series marketing that it's not for the likes of us, and we are dinosaurs, and I think that that's a massive mistake, because <laughs> it's murderous. It
5: hmm? I haven't heard them say it recently. Oh, they're
2: still trotting it out. Are
5: they? Yes. Okay, I I, I... I don't read many press releases. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll bow down to your, your great press. Anyway, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing. It. I want to see what it's like with the cars that don't stop halfway through. I want to know how Super Mario is going to work because it's very interesting. It is obviously this offline element. thing. This offline yeah. thing is interesting, isn't it? And- elements of int- it has elements of entertainment racing which i slightly am not too sh- i'm not sure about fan booths even though they're expanding it to five cars each because i don't think racing should be a popularity contest of the, i think you know, five when the cars, cars is rolling. too
3: many as well yeah
5: me too the the super mario thing where you go offline and get a boost, it's fine because everyone can do but so long as
2: it all works can you yeah. imagine if it goes wrong
5: i think they're a lot better I mean obviously the first the first few races of the first car it was very much avoided the unknown they've they've had the investment and the ability to do the testing so i'm 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 very positive i'm looking forward to it and of course we do have a team to support this year as as ray we? yes we do because diana's working for uh, neo
2: oh yes oh. that's right well but neo's N- neo's one of my favorite teams anyway because they well
5: they're now my favorite team
2: because of, um because of um real limited they because they yeah, built their road cars we w- Wellingborough's
5: finest so Exactly. So we, I think everyone who is, uh, every,
3: I always so, uh, oh, uh, we'll support
5: the yeah, and give them the fan. Yeah, I won't do it, but we could text the fan boost, <laughs> or
2: however it works. Uh,
3: you can, yes. of course, pick your know. own favourite at home if you're uh, listening. Well, and, all the favourites uh, are available. Uh, uh, but, yes, but not related to us. Dozens <laughs> of them. Uh, we have a big announcement. Yes. Sorry. Oh, sorry. H- who who should make this announcement?
5: I think you should make the announcement, because it really is It is the thing that you are almost most famous for, even though we haven't done it for three years.
3: Single-seater racing.
5: No, not Formula, not, not Formula 3000 from nineteen from 1996-2002. It's not that, Tim. Uh,
3: next Wednesday at 8pm, we promised there's we would no, have... There's no midweek motorsport. Oh, no, this is the last midweek motorsport of the series. Mm-hmm. Next Wednesday at 8pm, there is something different.
2: Oh, no, there, there isn't. isn't.
3: Oh, oh, it's yes. the pantomime. It's not the pantomime. Oh. That's behind you. Is it? It's the return uh, of the Radio Le Mans Christmas Quiz.
2: Radio Show Limiters yes. <laughs> Christmas
5: Sorry. Quiz well, no. yeah.
2: or Midweek Motorsport, or
3: depending on who I'm pitching yes. it to. Yes, exactly.
5: Yeah. And, and, and and tell me more details, Tim. Even though I know them already, but tell me them.
3: Uh, this year, we've got a massive venue. Uh, we are live from the home of British motorsport, Silverstone,
5: I'm and we p- are live in sound and vision.
3: Yes,
2: I'm quite excited by that. And and we
5: thank you, you have actually had thank you to ben, Silverstone
2: Circuits please. for giving us free reign. Uh, <laughs> so there'll be teams at Cops uh, through <laughs> uh at the. End of the hangar straight. Is that how we're doing it? No, it's not, is it?
5: Yeah, Trus- no, Truswell's answer- Paul Truswell's going to answer all his questions from the Beckett's box. Of course. <laughs> yes, of course he is.
3: Paul-, Paul Truswell is on Nick's team. Is he? Yes.
5: Oh, I I I just know who we who we've been pitching to people and and, and drumming up uh, contestants. Um, and I-, I I didn't know I had Paul. This is this is looking this is looking up. If I get Neil Wooding as well, I've won.
3: No, Neil is not on your team.
5: Ah. Uh... Paul Markard has just said, "I'm pacing out of my office
2: in excitement. I'm pacing my That's, office uh, out of excitement. Excuse me."
3: But is
5: it, is it will be in vision, so you can see us all. All of us will be there. Um, there is. Uh, John's getting to the uh, to Silverstone at one o'clock to start his makeup.
2: Uh, <laughs> I don't even know if I'm on a team. I said I didn't. Yes, need you to be are. I am on a team. Oh, team uh, you?
3: Provision. You're on Johnny Palmer's team.
2: All right. Okay.
3: That's subject to change.
2: Everybody called Johnny on
3: that <laughs> team.
2: It's subject to Johnny turning up.
3: <laughs> mm.
2: So that's next week at eight o'clock.
3: Yes, live yes. from Silverstone.
2: Live from Silverstone. It's the quiz of the year.
3: <laughs> it's it's what I'm going what I've been referring to as the 2016 Christmas quiz.
2: Because that was the last time that that was.
3: Because the last one we did was a 2015 50. Christmas quiz, which wasn't even at ah. Christmas. It was the Valentine's Day,
2: it, and it, and we massacred everybody. Was that at the pub? That was it. The was pub? yes, yes. the Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Uh, so that uh, uh, now ha- have we got a listener question round again? No. No. Uh,
3: if there is anyone listening who is a racing driver no. and uh, would like to take part, we do have a couple of uh, spaces left on some teams. Okay.
2: Some teams
3: There there were four teams Taking part this year Four teams Yes
2: Okay Right okay Um, It's just after nine o'clock
3: It is Oh do you want to jingle
2: Yes Okay Motorsport
0: (laughs) Half time And while we swap ends Here's what's coming up
2: Tim, obviously too excited by the, uh, the announcement of the Christmas quiz to remember to play the halftime jingle. Just after 9 o'clock, uh, Series 13, Episode 48, as we bring the 13th year of Midweek Motorsport to a close with the news, of course, uh, of next week's quiz at the usual time, 8 o'clock in the same spot. Coming up later on tonight, the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge also came to an end in 2018. And we'll have the season review. Shea Adam uh, joins me. We'll also look at the rest of the uh, development series for IMSA as well. That's following this show tonight. Uh, And Shea will be rounding up quite a lot of IMSA news in the second half. ...of tonight's programme. Uh, Nick Damon will stay with us. motorsport
0: on radiolamond.com. Nick Damon will
3: stay with us, Yes, yeah. Sorry, you ran out of time there, but carry on. Uh,
2: you never pay me the same bed length twice. <laughs> <I was laughs> All actually, the same length.
3: No, they're not.
2: Um, however, uh, do we want to do a quick bit of uh, Nick before we let him go, or do you want to...
3: We can let Nick go. Do you think? Yes, unless Nick uh, has any other quiz-related uh, questions.
5: Sorry, uh, Nick, a, go ahead. A major team. There's going to be there's going to be there's, there's going to be a, a tearful reuniting as well at the quiz. Is there? Because Paul and Paul and, and Tim, haven't seen each other for twelve years. are Going to meet up again.
3: <laughs> this is uh, Paul, one of the cameramen, mm. uh, as opposed to Paul Truswell, who I saw just last month. <laughs>
2: OK, that's next week. Uh, thank you very much indeed, Mr. Dearman. Have a good evening.
5: i right, Speak see you soon. Cheers, i Yeah, guys. see
2: you next week. Uh, so we will actually see him
5: next week. Um, well,
3: I suppose it's
2: time for the big interview, isn't it? Yes. The big interview this week is Andy Merrick. Uh, Andy has uh, just taken on a very important role with the British Racing Drivers Club, which we'll talk about in just a moment, Andy. But first of all, what a year for you last year, or last season, should I say? Ups and downs. The down, obviously, your big accident at Spa.
6: Have you recovered? How are you feeling? Uh yeah, I have. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's. Um, I've had a couple of months of, of not been in the car. I mean, we missed the, or I missed the final race at, at Nurburgring. Uh, so i didn 't get back in time for that and um, and but you know, fortunately, the season carries on, and we 're we're, we're out we had Bahrain in the world final last weekend and uh out here in dubai now to to get ready for Abu Dhabi next weekend for the golf twelve hours but um yeah, feeling good I, that last weekend was the first race back and um, yeah no problems it was uh it was uh, disappointing result we didn't we got we got taken out my teammate got taken out in the final, mm. but um actually yeah physically feel great and you did what you told me
2: when we spoke on the phone that you were going to do you did get back on your feet for your wedding so congratulations for
6: that was that a good day uh, it was unbelievably good to be honest with you do you know what I, I think it was a blessing in disguise being not being too well for the wedding because it meant i didn't drink so <laughs> so it meant i could remember everything <laughs> um so yeah it was absolutely amazing i was a bit sore um but uh yeah it was only two weeks after the crash mm. so yeah i managed to hobble down the aisle anyway being out of the car for that amount of time at that Time of the season, did
2: that force you to reevaluate what you were doing, and, and do you, in some respects, go back
6: a, a different person, a more focused person, a more motivated person? I think it definitely. It you, you, listen, you'd never wish it on anybody. Um, you know, it's 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 a tough thing to physically get over, and, and obviously to to be in the middle of a season and to be sat there. You know, missing races and watching everybody else is very, very tough. Um, but as you say, you know, you, when we started the conversation, you, it's, this is the highs and lows of, of any sport. You know, the week the week before the crash at Spa, I was racing there um, in the Mercedes GT4, and we won the race. So the week later, you're, you're laid up in hospital, um, you know, a bit banged up. And so I think you learn you you learn to use whatever you can as an opportunity to to sit back, reevaluate, and maybe. Um, you know, use it as an opportunity to improve. So I think, you know, one of the benefits of, of not racing is I've had a couple of months at home sitting back, looking at myself, thinking how I can improve and change certain things, which I've, you know, I've, I've definitely used that opportunity to, to do. And hopefully um, not just in the, the, the remaining races this year, but, you know, moving forward, you you can only turn it into a positive mm-hmm. because you've got no other option of yeah. you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's definitely helped me. Um, and um, yeah, there's certainly from an awareness point of view. You never looked anything but fit, but you look fitter than ever, if I may say so. As that you've
2: you've been spurred on, you've got to get fit to get yourself back to race fitness. And you've got no lasting effects from the injuries.
6: Yeah, no, nothing. Very, very fortunate that um, you know everything. All the bones have repaired, and all the muscular stuff yeah. that is, is, and and that's the thing. yeah, I mean that was that's all sort of come back together. And, and um, yeah, training wise, that's one of the things you just look at it and think, well, I'll do something different. I need to change um, change the way I train, the the, the the intensity, the frequency, all that sort of thing. So yeah, feel fantastic to be honest. So yeah, that's one of the little positives that come out of it. And the other positive that's come out of it. Um, whether uh,
2: you see this way or not in a few months time when we taught you again is, but you are now going to be looking after the next generation of British racing drivers with the BRDC, the British Racing Drivers Club, uh, Rising Stars programme. It's been around for a very long time. There's been some very big names come up through it. You're taking over from Tim Harvey, um, Big Shoes, to fill in every in every uh, in
6: every dimension, actually, um, for from who, who I mean, what he's done that for more than a decade now. Yeah, Tim. T- well, but really, Tim started the whole the, the the well, Tim didn't start Rising Stars, but he started the Superstars program. Right. So, yeah. so Rising Stars was already existing, and Tim had the foresight to to, to look at. Um, you know, as a as a club, how the BRDC could sit there and think, right? How can we have a, a, a next a two tier system? So we have a, a, a ladder system where we have the rising stars, and then the superstars is for the should we say uh, the, the the absolute sort of creme de la creme, and and, and the, offers a more bespoke um, mentoring system for for the very best of of, of the British mm-hmm. young British drivers that um, that are upcoming. So um, yeah, it's crazy to be honest to think that they're going to put their trust in me, which <laughs> is uh... well, I'll tell you what I think they've made a very smart choice and I'll, and I'll tell
2: you why because I've worked with you at a racetrack you came and jumped in a charity race with yeah, us yeah. Uh, a long time that was sort of partially your fault that I'm now an international B- <laughs> FIA <laughs> license holder Um there's a lot of people I think would be good at the job um, but that can't necessarily bring the experience and pass that experience on and that's going to be a key thing for you isn't it
6: yeah, I think it, it very much so, and I think it's very important that to you know to, to, to as a as a as an, an older driver to be able to pass that on. And I think from the BRDC's point of view, they were looking for somebody that you know when Tim started this program, he was very very active in his own racing career, yes, um, and and I think that was one of the key requirements that they wanted for, and you know one of the reasons why I've got the job is that that, that young drivers can relate to somebody who's still active, yes. who's still racing, and it's a skill set. And I really enjoy I, I, I I've worked with the team you MS- say Team UK drivers for a long long time now but and I've worked with you know a lot of amateur drivers who um, you know from development stuff in historic racing to GTs. so I think there's a there's a is a real skill to look at it's very easy to coach somebody on a day and stand at the side of a track and look at how do you go faster here you can go quick around that corner take this line take that line that's That's great, but that's that's very short term, and it's not going to make a driver um, effectively self sufficient. And really, as a coach, your goal is to make yourself your requirements null and void. You know, because you want a driver to be. Um, you want to do yourself out of a job, yeah. Effectively, that's what you want to do, and, and and that's what. And if you if you're very good at what you do, you know that you're going to be able to get repeat business all yeah. the time, and you're going to get new people in. and I, And I love it. And I've worked with some you know amazing coaches myself. I've had the you know the opportunity. I mean, you know, I've done numerous days with with Rob Wilson. I've, I've been taught by you know, Brabs when I was when I was on Team UK, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's it's good for me because obviously I've been on I've been a BRDC Rising and Superstar, been on Team UK, and now I'm you know, performance manager at, at Team UK and also at, at Superstars. So I think it gives a good perspective for those young drivers. And so what is, if you
2: were pitching this to somebody who had never heard of this scheme, what's the elevator pitch? What's
6: the one paragraph summary of what it's doing for young British drivers? It, it's going to give um, young British drivers a, a very independent um assessment of themselves and give them an opportunity to learn from from not just myself is going to we what we'll do is we'll 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 offer something that's bespoke to them so we're going to give we're going to highlight areas that they can possibly improve on mm-hmm. and we'll bring in so it's not a one-size-fits-all scheme no. it's very much um how do we look at this one this how of this driver he might have he might have wonderful skills but he might have a, a skill a, a missing skill set in somewhere and then we'll bring in you know, drivers or coaches, sorry, that will work with that driver as bespokely mm-hmm. to improve him and, and hope him to uh, unleash his full potential.
2: And whether that's behind the wheel, media, fitness or whatever, bit of mental, it's as much mental
6: now because most of these young lads can drive. They can all I mean they can all drive to some decent yeah. degree, yeah, very much so, especially when they get to a superstar you know sort of level or a team u k level they 're good they 're all race winners, championship winners at yeah. a at a national level, um, so it 's taken as a prerequisite that they 're fast, um, but you know I think nowadays one you know one of the things i 've realized as a driver is being just fast that's that 's not enough everybody's quick, so you 've got to look at what else you can do you 've got to be the, the the sort of complete package, so yes, we'll work with them more so off track than we will on because in reality again the other thing is the level of you know engineering and coaching that they're getting at their own teams you know if you look at one of the drivers i've been working with this year is callum Mm ilot you know and and jq's both at art and gp3 the level of preparation that these drivers go through is unbelievable it's just exceptional so it's that's why i say it's it's probably it's good to have somebody outside of your own team who's fighting your corner and can maybe just assess you and how do they get selected for this? Because you've mentioned that
2: most of the guys that you've mentioned to me before we turned the recorder on, are, are already doing pretty well. This is not like you're grabbing someone who's a clubby, club racer who nobody's ever heard of. So how do how do these guys get selected and and what what are you trying to give them? that will,
6: what, take them to the next level or what? But first of all, how do they get selected? Uh, well, first of all, so at a rising star level, we have scouts. So we have people like Jacob Ebrey and, and who, are, who are at all the circuits mm-hmm. at a national level who are always there, independent guys who are looking and, you know, have probably got their eyes, on, and, eyes and ears on the ground a bit more than necessarily I would at those races. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you get to a superstar status, you can't, and now we can you at the, as a rising star, I'd say, is you, you know, that you, you can't apply for this. We would very much, so we'll sit down... Um, uh, the first people we'll look at is the 12 superstars from 2018 so yeah. we'll sit down in January next year look at who who's going to continue um, mm-hmm. who's going to graduate mm-hmm. um, and then who do we want to be looking at and who do we who's the the, the, the people who could who could not just um, who are should we say good enough but who could really benefit from the scheme so I will do that alongside Derek Warwick and Ian Titchmarsh yeah. so we'll sit down look at who's you know who who we want to work with and who we can add value to uh, Derek Warwick, former Formula One driver, he's driven
2: everything. Ian Titchmarsh, for those of you not UK-based. Ian is a renowned circuit commentator and now retired from his his day job as a uh, solicitor. So he spends a lot of time looking at British National Club
6: events and is an associate member of the brdc as well isn't he yeah correct absolutely so uh and he, he's you know ian, ian and derek have you know I've obviously worked with the superstar program since its inception and I've obviously worked with tim and and they're all going to help me in 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 hopefully adapting and fitting into the role as smoothly as possible is is there an age limit top or bottom well to be honest when I first got the phone call off Tim, and he said, "I want to speak to you about BRDC superstars," I thought to myself, "I'm a bit old, to be honest, mate." I got kicked off in 2011, um, so no, there isn't. We don't have a we don't have a, a, an age limit. I think again, that's why we, you know the, the 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 aim or you know one of the aims of the of, of the whole program is to add value to these drivers, and, and right, that was my other question. That can happen at, at at different stages for different drivers, and you know we we we, we look at. It's the best of British talents. It's not so. It's not just single seater based. Right. It's single seater based. It's endurance. It's you know touring cars. It's mm-hmm. GT cars. We'll, we want to cover a, a broad spectrum. So you you might have drivers who are you know slightly older who are in touring cars, for example, or have gone into GT cars mm-hmm. who need something uh, from 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 the BRDC. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, it might not be the same. And so we we don't want to limit it to being a, a lower age limit, not basically. Okay. And this is. An initiative by the British Racing Drivers Club, the BRDC, and again for those of you
2: perhaps not au fait with that in the UK, uh, they're a, a private members' club. They're at Silverstone. Uh, this is them putting back into the sport effectively because this—I've got to say—this can't be Tupman's Tiptoney and you know a couple of quid and uh, two corns of chips for the lads round the round the round the chippy on a Friday night. So this is them reinvesting in the business their community work if you will?
6: Oh, very much so i mean if, if you, you know the, 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 the budget for for the for the superstar program is 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 huge you know and it needs to be because if you 're going to contribute to a meaningful level for these young drivers um, you'd you, you you need you need significant funds. Well, um, they, you're not giving the money to go racing, though. No, 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 absolutely, no, no. There's no That's there's a key it's, thing to say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, you, you you look at how you can help and assist the driver. A lot, you know, we, we want to educate them. We want to make them better racing drivers. At the end of the day, we can't do we, we the budgets that are involved. we were just talking off off microphone mm. about the levels of funding needed for GP two, GP three. Yeah. Um, we would have to put. All of our budget into one driver, yes. um, and I think what's better is to to be able to um, reinvest in the younger members. Some mm-hmm. of some of the members, some of them are members of the BRDC already. Some of them haven't quite made the the, 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 the uh, sort of the, the necessarily requirements in order to be a member. But it's the next generation of BRDC members and British talent that we want to, to be able mm-hmm. to reinvest in, to be able to make sure that you know if you look at the current group, you know this year from from BRDC superstars, you've got Alex Album George Russell and Lando Norris, all who are going to go from, you know, from the Superstars programme and F2 into Formula One next year. And I think that alone of the current crop speaks, you know, speaks, speaks volumes about the value. There will be people out there, though, that will say, well, those guys were clearly talented anyway. They would have got there. Why are you
2: picking the talented guys? Why aren't you trying to bring other people on? Is, is that a valid point? Or is, you know, these guys have shown something, I presume, and that's why they get
5: picked?
6: Yeah, without doubt. I mean, you know, you could you take Lando for an example. I remember watching Lando um, very, very early in his career when he was in Ginetta Juniors and just exceptional talents you know same as george same as as, as alex so uh yes it's you know you, you you'd like to be able to do to, to be able to help everybody um but the reality is 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 that you know i think the you know yes you can say that that, that some of the drivers have got very good support networks mm-hmm. um around them but there's there's no debate i think the 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 best way to to probably actually uh, relate to, or to answer that question is to ask the drivers look how many of them mm-hmm. are happy to represent the brdc superstar mm-hmm. program they've got it plastered all over their helmets all over the the race cars and all over their suits that you know the, the attendance levels and they're, 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 you know tim one of the things tim said to me is you're going to get hassled you're going to get non-stop drivers asking you for um you know advice you know how can we how can they they how can we reinvest in them mm-hmm. so if the BREC Superstar program wasn't contributing well, then why would they be doing that? Yeah, absolutely. Are you looking forward to the challenge? I'm a little bit nervous, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, it's uh, yeah, I, I, I but wholehearted It's a good nervous, you know. I mean, I, I, um, uh, you know, I've got experience of, of as I say, with, with with of doing these sort of things before, from working especially with Team UK. Um, I'm excited for the for the challenge. I think it's a huge, huge honour um, to to be able to, to to work with these young drivers, to be represented or asked by the by the club. Um, I, I've got to obviously make it work and fit around my own racing commitments, which is which is going to be yeah. But it's exciting. I, it just means in 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 the week between races for myself, I'm going to be busy. You know, looking at. Um, how I can add and develop, you know, the, the best, att- you know, these these drivers who are very very talented. So, and for me as well, I mean, you know, I, I can contribute towards them, but it, it keeps it keeps me at the sharp end of of, 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 of of developing drivers, which is is key, to be honest.
2: And just to finish, I, I, I wish you all the best. I, I think you're a smash. I think it's a smashing and a smart hire, uh, and well done to Tim Harvey for for getting you involved in the in the first place. Um, what are you doing with your racing career? at the moment coming to the end of the calendar year but
6: racing continues you've got a race out here uh, in the middle east coming up and then 2019 what's on the horizon yeah, so yeah, finish off at, with Golf 12 Hours next weekend um, at Abu Dhabi at Yas Marina. So hoping for a, a, a we've, we won the last race in LMP3 last year of the season, so I'm hoping to do the same again this year. And then next year, um, I'll be back with, with Bullet Racing in the in the Mercedes um, and yeah, let's see what else works around that calendar. But there's, you know, it's, uh, going into to next year, I've definitely got those those that program involved, which is it takes up a lot of time. It's a relatively new team. We've, we only started a couple of you know, two seasons ago, and, and um, so there's a lot of work off track mm-hmm. that, that, that's being done there as well. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be doing. I've always tried to have two programs, even back from when I've done the Bentley program and Delta mm-hmm. Wing, or you know, all those sort of things. I think it's. I enjoy the challenge again of of, of jumping. One of the things I've always done is had a prototype drive and a GT drive, mm-hmm. which. It's difficult because you've got to work on your versatility. But I enjoy that challenge. So, um, yeah, hopefully there'll be something else alongside it to, uh, to complement it. And presumably
2: we'll be seeing you um, at... Standing on the bank sides at various British club circuits as well in the uh, in the 2019
6: season, better get yourself a nice warm with warm set of gear. Yeah, that's one of the first things I said to the BRDC. I said I better get some jackets because if I'm back <laughs> at Alton Park or Silverstone, uh, no, it'd be cool. It'd be really, really good. Because to be honest, it's um, you know it's enjoyable to be back at the race circuits, seeing you know that especially like the touring car package, the British mm. GT package, um, you know F3, all those. It's 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 a it's a, a good place to, to to be. So yeah, we definitely sat there with a the bacon butter. And of course, I'm bound to say this, but it's also nice to see the level of involvement
2: of the BRDC in drivers who aren't going the quote-unquote traditional single-seater route. So people with roofs over their heads, GT, endurance
6: drivers, you mentioned Ginetta. Um, there's a lot of talent that's come up through there in the last few years very much so and especially in the in the the endurance and GT market i think mm. that the fact that getting into formula i mean you know we've talked about you know alex george and and, and lando going into formula 1 but for a few years there's been a lack of drivers going in uh, this year's been exceptional so what what it has been but we've got a huge amount of talent if you look at in in, in GTs now in the last few years Drivers that I've been working with, you know, Jake Dennis, Ben Barnico, you know, all all of these drivers who have gone into GTS and, and starting a really successful career. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the the market for young drivers to go into to, to GTS touring cars is is very very strong at the moment. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Good luck, mate. And come and play with us in the States again, will you? Ims as misses yeah? Oh, ah mate, I'd love to be back there, absolutely, <laughs> to be honest. I missed that place. So yeah, no, um I'd love to be back over there. You know, Daytona, to see bring all those races, so fingers crossed.
7: Stop yes,
3: wait a minute, We've had a letter. Have we? Yeah. F. Uh, no, this is a missive rather than a uh, character.
2: Uh, thank you to Andy Merrick, by the way, um, who took some time off in uh, Dubai uh, over the last few days to come and do that interview with us. Uh, come on, then.
3: Do you want to be a better co-driver in 2019? Yes. Do you? Do you? Yes. <laughs> uh, well, go to Shrewsbury on the 2nd of February. Yes, uh, that as well. Uh, uh, why? Uh, well, the letter is inviting uh, me to go on this course to improve my co-driving skills.
2: Oh, right. I used to co-drive. Stage you and, probably uh, don't need the course then. Stage and uh, uh, road rallies with Plot and Bash and all oh, that was good fun. Uh, Andrew Cotton, by the way, has come back to me. Ooh. He's had a bit of a think about these regulations, probably after he'd poured the glass of wine he said he was. He said, uh, I've had a thought about that GT3 engine question that you asked. It's a fuel flow formula, so fuel limited, not air. If you remember, Toyota adapted its engine for Rebellion uh, in, what was it, 2015, I think. Uh, it sounded great, but it was a lot of work to make the, adapt- uh, the adaptions to run it with a fuel flow meter so maybe gt3 engines aren't the answer Mm. Uh, hello to neil gardner who's working away um, on more genius bits of art love the sean edwards one that needs to be a print i think to raise some money for the sean edwards foundation absolutely fantastic Uh, Art card's lovely as well. Hello to Paul Markart, who's taken his time off. He's booked his time off for next Wednesday so he can watch the Christmas quiz. He says, uh, I'll have a good bottle of red, some honey, ham, cheese and crackers.
3: There you go. If you want to book a flight over to England, then uh, we'll let you sit in the corner of the room and watch it from there. Mm
2: -hmm. Viz Patel remembers how competitive I tend to get. I I don't know what he's talking about.
3: We do have a contestant who's flying in from overseas just for the quiz. Really?
2: Yes. Excellent. All good stuff. That's next week, 8 o'clock. This is the last of the season of Midweight Motorsport, our 48th show of this year. Uh, 13 years, can you believe it? Uh, Cher Adam is joining us. Hello, Cher. Hello. Uh, how's uh, how's your life in Florida
3: at the moment?
7: Um, it's quite chilly here right now uh, by my standards. Yep. I'm wearing a sweater. Um, and I'm yeah, just wearing you know, a T-shirt, you-
3: Shay. You should come to London. Par- it's really, really warm.
7: <laughs> yeah. W- what is it there?
3: Uh, well, in the room where I am now, the studio, obviously we have to keep it as a climate-controlled 18 degrees Celsius. Mm.
7: Ooh. Yeah, that that's about what it is here right now. I think it she was. She thinks that
3: chilly. Yeah, it, it's
7: there If it was eighteen degrees outside,
3: I'd be wearing shorts. Exactly. Oh
7: my goodness,
2: nope. Uh, a packed, a pack. You're going to bring us up to date with some sports car news, of which there <laughs> is legion this week. Shall we start with Porsche? As you were at the uh, the Porsche celebration last week, and you got to go to the museum. I did that with Jim Roller when we were doing. Uh, Some work over there a few years ago. I took the 993, actually. I must try and find the pictures that I took. Um, The big announcements, from we mentioned Porsche testing the Formula E car in March of 2019. The big announcements were for the drivers more than anything else. No real shocks about, well, we're expecting to see the cars. Although there's a couple uh, as full-season entries heading into um, the... International um Intercontinental, Intercontinental? GT Challenge? Yeah, that's it. The, yeah. The, the series that nobody really cares about. <laughs> <laughs>
7: um,
2: although it's, it's clearly... Now, alright, I'm, I'm sort of being a bit snarky there, and I didn't mean it to come out like that. Um, up until now, that has not been a series that has been supported. People have supported the individual races, depending on where they are in the world, and because... SRO have tagged it onto some big races like Bathurst, notably. Um, then obviously those races get get uh, well supported. But starting to see one or two full season entries uh, for th- that, and Porsche are going to have a a couple of cars for customers uh, in that. Uh, however, their uh, factory driver lineups for Le Mans, and they will be asking for four entries, uh, four invitations again. Uh, yeah. who who are we going to get? Who's driving with whom? Any surprises?
7: Um, the, the only change was in the car that ran as number 94 uh, this last year, one of the core autosport entries. Sven Muller again in that car, but instead of sharing with Romain Ma and Timo Bernard, he's going to be sharing with two of the younger uh, generation, Matthew Giammanet and the Norwegian driver, Dennis Olsen. Other than that, exactly the same as what we saw this year. Uh, So they will be asking for the four entries again, and it does mean that our IMSA friends will be coming over to play.
2: Uh, Dennis Olsen, who has been playing his trade in the uh, Porsche Middle East Cup uh, Hmm. over the last few years. Uh, Bathurst, two cars for Bathurst. So we should say, sorry. So for Le Mans, it's Bruni, Mako and Rich Leeds. Then it's Christensen, uh, Kevin Estra and Lawrence Vantur. Bamba, Pelé and Tandy, and then, uh, as you said, Muller, Jaminier and Olsen in the uh, fourth entry. Uh, Bathurst, what's the lineups there?
7: A big surprise coming from Bathurst because a couple of their drivers publicly talk about how much they love those circuits. And there will be no Lawrence Vantour mm. or Earl Bamber back in the mountain this year, which is very interesting. It's Dirk Verner sharing with Dennis Olsen and young Maddie Campbell. I have to say young Maddie Campbell. It's what Crailsy always does. Mm. Uh, and then in the second car, Romain Dumas, Sven Muller, and Matthew Jaminet. So those are going to be their IGTC lineups for the year. And those are the guys who are going to be going to try and conquer the mountain.
2: Um, oh, right. So they're doing the full season, those guys. Yes. Ah, well, that's that's why because there there are clashes uh, so that you couldn't have Bamba and and it's, I mean it's a tight turnaround anyway for anybody coming from Daytona it's doable but barely. Uh, let's talk yes. about Imza <laughs> then. Uh, no change to the lineup: Pele and Tandy, Bamba and Vantur. They can't break those bromances up. Uh, third no. drivers.
7: Uh, Fred McVecky, again, they are coming back to try and go for the Daytona win since they got Sebring and Petit in 2018. So, Fred joining up in the number 911 car as a status quo. And Matthew Jaminet, who made such a good impression at Petit Lamont this year, has gotten the nod to do the full uh, calendar of the endurance races. So, he's, it'll be good to see him back. Remember, pro- in his first ever race, John, at Coda, he put the GTD car on pole. So, he's, he's a good hot
2: shoe. I, I'm uh, um- I, I'm, I'm very impressed with him. And that's a, a young man who's got a big future ahead of him. Um, who's doing the back-to-back of Le Mans and the Nürburgring 24 hours this coming year? <laughs> presumably
7: can, can you I, can I, I are volunteer?
2: volunteer? Uh, sorry?
3: I said presumably you
2: are, John. Uh, uh, I don't know. I haven't decided yet.
7: Yeah, Can, can I volunteer as tribute?
2: No, uh, there's no Pitts reporters. We don't have a pit reporter.
7: I know, but I can do I can do booth. Um, it's gonna be Richard, Richard Leeds, Leith, so Leetze going. Um, Fred McViecki, Patrick Pele, and Nick Tandy. So the winning quartet from this mm. year going back in the same car to defend their title. Earl Bamber joins our Mall winning trio from twenty eighteen. So it's Michael Christensen, Kevin Estra, and Lawrence Vantor.
2: Four drivers, that's interesting. I yep. have heard people say that four drivers is too many for the Nurburgring because they get bored when they're sitting around doing nothing.
7: <laughs> drivers do get into trouble when they're idle. That is uh, true.
2: Oh yes, it all goes horribly, mm-hmm. horribly wrong. Stay with Porsche, uh, but jump to IMSA. We mentioned the the IMSA pairings for for Porsche, uh, and uh, this is great news for fans of Porsche and, and fans of Patrick Long. Uh, no right motorsports. We've mentioned that uh, in. Uh, the last couple of programs with, with, that leaves Christina Nielsen probably not uh, having a drive, certainly not a full-season drive in IMSA yeah. as it stands at the moment, extraordinarily. But Patrick Long teaming up with another Patrick.
7: Yeah, it, it's the uh, the Patrick Show, going to be reunited once more. They ran together in Grand Am a while back, but Patrick Lindsay and Patrick Long won't be at all confusing because P.L. will always be in the car. Very good. Um, they're going to be together full-season, but Patrick Lindsay will miss the WEC conflict races. Mm. When I talked with him on Friday night, that was, uh, he said that there are a couple of races that if they're going to be in it for the championship, they need to finish it out over there. So he's going to be missing, I think he said Mid-Ohio was one yeah, of them. Correct. Um, so that's going to be difficult yet to be seen if he's going to do the double at Sebring. Um, but they've got Nick Bull coming in the car for the NAEC portion of things, and he's a guy who's proven himself in prototypes, so that'll be an interesting addition to the cars. And on so, that, so that, note that
2: means you, the, that if they go for the championship in IMSA, Patrick Long will be sole champion.
7: Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Right. Um, and speaking of champions, as you were rightly mentioning about Christina parting ways with Wright Motorsport. It means that in the 2019 season, in terms of GTD champions, we're only going to have two running in the class. Townsend Bell, who's been announced with Lexus, and Brian Sellers, who's coming back with Paul Miller Racing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We'll talk about that in a little more detail uh, in uh, a moment. Um, That's a strong team for Park Place. Good to have them back for the the full season. It is the full season. For those guys,
7: yep, it's it's going to be every race. Park Place will be running. They've got a car in GTD now. They've got the team of Alan Brunjolfsson and Trent Hinman, on mm. whom more later, running in the GS class in the Continental Tire Challenge, also in a Porsche Cayman. Uh, and they've got uh, their returning German friend coming back into the IMSA GT3 Cup Challenge by Yokohama. So they're going to be running on three different tiers in three different series, but all in Porsches. Uh,
2: and talk about the NAEC, as Nick Bull is going in the NAEC, obviously no longer the patron uh, NAEC, uh, and uh, happy retirement to Ed Brown. Now we, we knew yeah. that there were uh, that, that Patron was was leaving the uh, the, the sponsorship side of things. Um, the company was sold off to Bacardi as an entity and uh, announced, i think today wasn't it that uh, it that, was. that ed is, is stepping away from his post and will and will head off to retirement
7: yeah and fittingly his last day will be december 31st so at the stroke of midnight raise a glass of patron and say thank you to ed for all he's done for sports car racing
2: yeah here yeah, yeah. here well it'll be sad, sadly sadly missed there um right do you let's rattle through a few more of these uh there'll be two lamborghinis next season <laughs>
7: Well, I think we're going to have as many as five at the Rolex. Um, I've heard that EBI is coming back with EB? one car. EB. Yeah. EBI Motors. EB Motors. Um, and uh, it's just too much fun if you say it that way. You can't say it without smiling. And um, then, of course, our defending race winners from last year, bringing back a pair of cars as well.
2: Uh, that's Land Motorsport, yeah?
7: No, no. It was... Um, my name the name has just gone from my head they run the green lambos
2: uh grt grasser
7: thank you yes grasser that they will be bringing two cars Gra- S- sorry Rolex's yes
2: car. um uh, land runs an audi anyway sorry i, I yes. don't even know where i got that from i could but i was thinking of the green the green on the side of the car um grt is gonna uh, i think help out eb motors and, and run one of their cars aren't they
7: um, it should be. It should be a full force effort, but they'll bring three cars. But the the news for the full season is that Magnus Racing has moved to a Lamborghini. So they switched over from the four rings, which didn't get them a win this year, to the Lamborghini, which got three wins on the IMSA season. It's still going to be Andy Lally and John Potter. You can't separate those two. And as was semi prematurely announced, Spencer Pompelli is joining them from the endurance races I think it was put on social media before uh, Sean Heckman, the PR man extraordinaire, had planned to release it. But then he came back through with a great press release, affirming Pompelli's presence.
2: Uh, let's talk about a bit of Audi uh, news first. Brad Kettler, the man who, if you could have opened, would have four rings inside him,
7: is leaving <laughs> Audi yeah and he's not ready to comment as to where he is going for the next portion of his life he's too young for retirement um so with respect to him there have been rumors circulating as to whether or not he'll have a different logo on his shirt when we get to daytona and a lot of people that he has old connections with particularly through champion racing are wearing the mazda logo whether or not we'll Mike brad is
2: up there isn't he
7: Yep, Mike Peters is uh, calling a strategy on the number 55 Mazda. So whether or not Brad will follow in those footsteps, it's too soon to say. But it is worth sitting back and just uh, remembering everything that he was able to accomplish with Audi, a a part of the champion win back in 2004 and a part of many, many more Audi wins over the course of the years.
2: Uh, 20 years, uh, probably something like that certainly nearly a couple of decades um yeah. he, he was with champion racing and of course had been running uh, audi sports customer racing north america's trackside customer support he actually finished on monday mm-hmm.
7: uh, as
2: one at le mans and you and i both work with him at, at various different levels including doing stand-ups with him at motor races in the audi hospitality uh he he's still has his business called Ketler Motorworks uh, with a W-E-R-K-S out in Indiana. And uh, he, I I knew he had told a few key people, but not that it had been kept fairly, kept fairly tight to the chest. Um, Interesting. Uh, I see that uh, John DeGeese on SportsCard 365 is reporting that the Uh, SRO and IMSA trackside support for Audi has been taken over by Centigrade who are the same people who look after Lamborghini's North American motorsports activities which actually um, makes sense because the Huracan and the R8 LMS are effectively the same running gear aren't they
7: yeah just a different badge uh, on the front of it. But when you start pulling the pieces apart, they look very similar.
2: In fact, the gearbox still got four rings on it in the uh, Lambo. I always thought that was funny. Uh, Whatever uh, Brad Kettler decides to do, I wish him well. He's uh, a proper gentleman. And uh, he's bounced back from a very nasty car accident where he fractured his sternum very badly. What only a couple of three years ago. And he's bounced back from that. And um, I hope he's still at the track because they kind of, uh, experience that he's got doesn't need to be lost from uh, from the paddock um, MSR Maershank Racing um, two cars for 2019 and we're filling in the driver blanks
7: yeah, a bit of an atomic bomb dropped on this one the other day, or so it felt. Um, you talk about bringing a, a knife to a gunfight, and then there's bringing a bazooka to a knife fight, and that's sort of what this felt like. Mario Farnbacher back in GTD for a full season, he has been upgraded to gold. Um, important to note because last year he was silver, and, and won a race and came third in another one of his limited season. Sharing a car full season with Trent Hinman, who is silver... And I kind of feel badly for him because we could be talking in 12 months' time, John, about how he is in the Madison Snow position of winning the championship and being bumped up to gold. You look at that lineup, that combination, in the Acura with the new Evo kit on it, and if MSR could do what they did this last year with Catherine and Alvaro and Mario and a bunch of other pieces filling in, you got to feel that two guys who have driven the car in the endurance races and have a really good handle on it They've got to be a strong shot for the championship. They're going to be joined by Justin Marks, who drove the number 93 this year with Lawson Aschenbach for the long endurance races, and AJ Allmendinger for the 24 Hours of Daytona, and AJ, who not only won Daytona a few years back, if you don't know this already, he drives his RV to the track, and I mean he drives the RV to the track, because his cat lives in it. So when he gets out of the car... And he needs to go back to relax for a little while. He can go back to his RV and sit there and his cat is waiting for him. You've got to love that guy. Yeah,
2: yeah. He's, he's got a fantastic CV, Trent Hinman. Um, won the championship, of course, in GS in a BMW M3. Uh, Youngest
7: ever. Yes. Champion.
2: Yes. Um, so, I mean, he's he's clearly a very good driver. Um, ran carts... He, very, very classic upbringing in motorsport karting, uh, Skip Barber Racing School, uh, and then um, uh, Formula Ford Festival. He came over to the uh, UK with that. Um, Master Road to Indy, etc., etc. And uh, raced with Wintiller Racing in USF 2000, which I've yep. f- forgotten about actually as well. Fifth in the. He
7: was he was hanging out in the back of the Wayne Taylor racing mm. pits for the 24 hours of Daytona that they won. And then the 12 hours, of Sebring that yeah, they won. And he was just being a sponge. So he's a very smart kid. Uh,
2: as far as uh, some other news coming in, uh, more speed, uh,
7: more yeah. speed.
2: Now, more speed. We know from their exceptionally competitive outings in the IMSA Porsche, uh, uh, GT Challenge USA by Yokohama, uh, and they've been sort of threatening to do all kinds of other things. They're a very well-run organization. Um, we know, we knew, we thought we knew, that they were coming to GT Daytona with a Porsche. Well, they're still in GTD, but it's not quite the same plan.
7: Well, they, they also have brought a bazooka to the gunfight, um, because they are coming with an Audi, so they showed up with a all-black carbon car with four rings on the front of it mm. for the Daytona test that took place yesterday for Michelin, not an IMSA test. So there was no entry list, no times, none of that, before people start asking. It's Alex Riberas coming back to this, season, to this series again. He is now a gold driver, sharing with Will Hardiman. It'll be Andrew Davis for the long-distance races. We don't know who their fourth driver is going to be yet. But this is another program well, the, that you If they
2: take a fourth driver.
7: They will. They have said that it will oh, okay. be somebody else from Audi, Riberas, who is uh, an Audi factory driver. It'll be somebody else that they get coming over just for Daytona. But when you put Andrew Davis, who's a guy that you and I have immense respect for, John, he knows how to wheel an Audi. With Alex Riberas, mm-hmm. who has proven himself worthy of racing an IMSA in uh, 2016, which was the last time he did a full season, will hardeman making the step up and he had to to step out of the car fairly early on in this season due to some family issues that were going on and we still wish him well for all of that he's coming in and he said no 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 no. i i don't think anymore that the porsche is the way to go i think it's going to be audi and then audi offering him a factory driver to sweeten the deal yeah i look for big things from more speed
2: yeah and uh I, i like will i think um yeah. Well I think Will's style of driving will, will suit the longer races better. Um, he has never really had the success he's deserved in that his pace has uh, has shown in the uh, in the Porsche side of things in the in, in the uh, in the series. Um, quick word about Multimatic, uh, the UK arm of Multimatic, running, I believe, out of the same shop that's running the the Ford GTS. Uh, they're going to be coming over to British GT.
7: Yeah, really cool announcement. Scott Maxwell and Billy Johnson reunited. Yes, thank you. By the way, Billy has been downgraded from platinum to gold, which means that theoretically ah. he could come and run the Michelin Pilot Sport Challenge again. And fingers crossed that that happens, because I miss his burnouts. They were pretty epic. Um, but congratulations to Seb Prio, who is now a Ford factory driver. So that's pretty cool for Andy to be able to share that with his son. Is thats
2: that... Is that- is that a genuine factory team, then, rather than it being um, Multimatic just running some cars?
7: From what I've been told, it's Multimatic, but it's it's Ford doing it.
2: Makes me wonder what happens to the GTEs in, that's run out of the UK at the end of the year. They were only meant to be running till the end of 2019, but of course the WEC season ends at Le Mans halfway through 19. So if they start again, yeah. they'll have to go to 2020. Which is...
7: Yeah, that is that is a good point. Mm. A bit unsettling.
2: No fourth driver yet. Any clues? Uh,
7: nope. Nobody has been uh, announced, but how cool would it be to see them, the kid driving with his uh, not-so-old man? I, uh,
2: I think you need another bronze, don't you? Do you need a bronze in there? I can't remember mm. how the British GT works. Um, Scott Maxwell is now down to bronze, Wrong, isn't he? because of age. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so Scott Maxwell's a bronze. Billy's a gold. Uh, a Seprio will either be bronze Probably or silver. silver. So um, you, you're gonna uh, maybe they they might need another bronze in there. Um, I, I can't think of anybody at the moment who's. Oh, uh, wait a minute. Yeah.
7: <sighs> better Put your hand down. I gi- can see it from here.
2: I'll better give Larry a ring tomorrow.
7: Good uh-huh. luck for
2: that. Uh, the, British, they've run in British GT um, on the odd occasion in the past. Um, Scuderia of course, a Ferrari. Uh, have, you, you keep talking about bringing a, a, a gun to a knife <laughs> fight. Um, uh-huh. it, it's just looking better and better in Imza. Uh, another uh-huh. big name uh, for the Ferrari team for the full season.
7: Welcome back to a full season for Tony Vilander. He went off, he ran in another series in the US this year Won that championship. He comes back to GTD, joining with Cooper McNeil for the full 2019 season. It'll be Jeff Siegel in the car for the long-distance races. And Dominic Fraunbacher in for the 24 hours of Daytona. They said that Balzon still hasn't been medically cleared from whatever his procedure was back in May to drive. So that's why we're seeing Vlander stepping in. But it's right. going to be one heck of a show to put Tony in that white Ferrari.
2: I'll never forget the first time he drove at Lime Rock. He was outstanding. Um, And he's not got any worse since then either. We mentioned uh, Christina Nielsen uh, not being with Wright uh, Motorsports. What was the story there, Cher?
7: She couldn't bring as much budget as they needed, plain and simple. The costs were going up. Uh, And She was a
2: Porsche supporter, Porsche Porsche development driver last year? Yes.
7: She was. She was a a part of a a different program, and she's still very much associated with Porsche. She's still in their good graces. It's just as simple as money. So if people are out there who need a really, really good silver driver, by the way, out of all of the non-endurance races in 2018, she is the only driver who is still silver to have won one of those races. So that speaks immensely for itself. Um, she's available, and it's kind of remarkable to think of Christina not being on the grid.
2: Um, and what, what happens for to her then? Do we know where – has she got anything else in the works? I mean, it's late in the day now, isn't she? Isn't it?
7: It's, it's, it's pretty late, and she does not have anything lined up, which is uh, scary, but I wish her the best. And seriously, teams out there pick her up, She's good. She's consistent and she's a fast learner.
2: Yeah. So what happens with Wright? Do we see them with other drivers or is just is that uh, all contingent on somebody bringing some budget?
7: Well, from what I understand, they are looking to run in potentially World Challenge or whatever it's called now because they've they've changed the name.
2: New logo um, out and, today as well.
7: Oh, is it? I yeah. haven't I haven't seen that. Um They're potentially going to run there with one of their GT3 Cup Challenge drivers just to sort of get a feel for what it's like. And then depending on how he adapts to that series, maybe come back into IMSA with him if if he can do the the long-distance races. But they just couldn't find the money needed to put together for a full-season GTD. We might see them at the longer races Mm -hmm. if they can sell the rides effectively, but they couldn't bring a budget for the start of the season, that was enough to make it through the whole thing.
2: Okay. Um, We weren't sure what was happening with Brian Sellers and with Paul Miller racing, but they're back with a double and consecutive years champion in Lamborghinis in the car for the full season.
7: Yeah, but uh, what happens if you can't bring back one champ? Well, go find another one. (laughs) And Ryan Hardwick found them. I'm actually genuinely excited about this, John, because Ryan Hardwick is a guy who has really impressed me in the Lamborghini Super Trofeo series. Very consistent, very fast. If he's got a car to come in second, he doesn't push for the win. He takes the points. And that's why he was the LB Cup champ in 2017, his first ever year racing a car and in 2018, he was the champion of the AM category. Now, Ryan Hardwick, I tell people all the time, go look at his Instagram account, because he lives the life that we all wish we could. He's a former jet ski champion, uh, as in the stuff you race out on the ocean, and he owns a dealership in Atlanta called Mountain Motorsports that he and his partner, Justin Price, who also has run in the LBST before, you just look at them and you think, yeah, that's pretty cool. This is a Big step up for Ryan Hardwick coming into GTD. But what better coach to have than Brian Sellers on your side? And, oh, by the way, Corey Lewis in the car for the endurance races. That is a very good combination. As long as Ryan can get up to speed fairly quickly, they will be looking to defend the championship.
2: Yeah. BMW in GT Le Mans.
7: It's Conor DiFilippi, which we knew. And we knew that Alexander Sims would not be coming back this year because he's he got, is competing. He's fe- he, he is. What was it that, um, that Nick called it? Formula, um, where uh, the Formula One drivers go?
2: Formula refu- fr- Refugee.
7: Formula Refugee. Yes, I kind of like that. Um, Alexander Sims has gone over there. And by the way, the voting is open. So if you want to help him go really fast, um, I've already done that because he's a nice guy. And we get Tom Blomqvist coming into the series instead. He's done, I think it was Petit Le Mans with yes, the team. correct. So he at least understands how things work. But it's going to be an eye-opening season for him with so many new tracks. And as a matter of fact, as I understand it, he is the only full-season driver change at all in GTLM. So right. pretty remarkable when you think about 15 out of 16 drivers are coming back. Um, They're going to be together for the full season and Yessi Krohn and John Edwards back again. It's their announcement that was even more exciting because for Daytona, they're joined by Alex Zanardi, the living legend, and Chazzy Mostert, the crazy Australian.
2: Uh, Zanardi did a lot of the development on the car and was asked if he'd rather do Le Mans or Daytona. And he actually said Daytona uh, when Jens Marquardt asked him to do it, the man at the head of BMW's motorsport Sport side of things. Uh, and by the way, at that Michelin test uh, at Daytona, the Ferrari was there.
7: Yeah, I saw that. It was very interesting. Uh, Miguel Molina was driving it, and mm-hmm. quite a surreal experience for Tony Vlander to see that car driving past him out the pit lane over and over again.
2: Yes, good point. Uh, let's uh, rattle through some more IMSA news. Uh, P2, I picked up some uh, changes in the Uh, set up for how podium uh, might happen where there may be fewer than three cars entered, which sort of piqued my interest. And in fact, Mm -hmm. we've lost a couple of races as well for LMP2.
7: Not a bad thing, though. Um, The couple of races that have been dropped off were the street courses, which tend to be quite expensive, especially when you're trying to sell a seat. Um, Brenton... Well, also,
2: that's a pro-am now, and in fairness, they dropped out the Uh, the pro-am classes out of long beach um, in previous years and detroit in previous years so actually that's just following along so just eight races now with just two full season teams at the moment uh, are they are they okay with this
7: um from what i've read yes uh brian uh sorry bobby orgel from afs pierwan matheson Just wish that the announcement had come a little bit sooner so it would be easier to sell the seats. But Brent O'Neill is quite okay with this because the last few years, both Belle Isle and um, Long Beach have been less than kind to his drivers. So it's going to help save budget. Uh, Michelin Pilot
2: Sport Challenge news with uh, Riley Engineering putting a car into into the uh, second tier of IMSA Racing.
7: Yeah, they're going to be running a Mercedes GT4 car for Dylan Murray and James Cox, the duo who formerly drove a Porsche GT4 car in the GS category, and it's going to be a full season effort for those two. So that again is a new thing. But uh, if anyone can do it, Bill Riley can.
2: Mm. Uh, prototype news too with uh, Grim Rehal stepping aside uh, from the uh, from the Penske. Uh, the, the Acura Team Penske car.
7: Yeah, Graham Rao, who Graham uh, admitted he didn't really fit well in the car. Uh, remember, we talked a couple weeks ago, John, about how he was trying to lose weight because he had what he thought was about 50 pounds on Ricky and Elio, his two co drivers from before. So he was trying to do everything he could to make it more comfortable. Long story short, didn't work, and he decided that stepping aside was the better choice. So very admirable from Graham to give up the seat. The interesting thing is the replacement, though, because Scott McLaughlin, the supercars champion from this year, has not at all hidden his desire to come over and race in the U.S. and how desperate he is to get his hands on the Acura Penske. And uh, instead, it was chosen that Alexander Rossi will be coming to drive the 24 hours of Daytona and probably Sebring. Hang on, hang the- on,
2: hang on. That's Alexander Rossi, the IndyCar driver who drives for Penske's competitors Andretti. <laughs>
7: yep, that's the one. So whether or not that's a carrot mm. being dangled, Alexander's not in his previous experiences in sports car endurance races he hasn't shown a particular affinity for it or a love for being woken up in the middle of the night and asked to perform as joe bradley would say but this might be a different opportunity and to win a race overall to be with such a strong car that might be enough to perhaps make rossi rethink his contract negotiations next time he goes in
2: yeah good point uh right we'll finish off with uh, a couple of uh, welcomes first of all uh some Nighttime spy video of the mid-engine C8 R Corvette testing at Sebring?
7: It sounds different. I I don't know if it sounds like a Corvette. Um, it's a twin-turbo
2: never... V8. That that's
7: yeah. the
2: street car. I think is going to get a V6 as uh, is the the entry-level car. But that's definitely a V8 V8, possibly a flat-plane crank or something similar. So it's. It still sounds like a V8 to me.
7: It does, but it has more of a whine to it than we're associated with. But, of course, that would just be the turbo. Um, The bodywork on the car, of course, it has to be shifted around since it's mid-engine instead of rear. Um, It looks more like a transformer, um, as if Bumblebee (laughs) is going to spring out of it at any given point in time. Which Bumblebee also is a Camaro, so you you never know. Uh, Not too far off. Uh,
2: The... uh the second welcome and our final story for you, share, is a well-established Master MX-5 Global Cup team heading over to, uh, to TCR and the Michelin Pilot Challenge.
7: Welcome to Atlantis Speedworks, W-E-R-K-S. I always love mm. that. Uh, Todd Lamb, the team owner, is going to be driving one of two Honda Civic Type R TCRs alongside Brian Henderson, both of them. Familiar names to us from the Global Omics 5 Cup Challenge. But the 2nd lineup, do don't know who that's going to be yet. We'll wait eagerly to find out.
2: She thanks very much indeed. Uh, and so we'll speak to you in the new year. Have a, have a lovely holiday period and pass on the best to everybody over there,
3: won't you?
7: Thanks. Same to you guys.
2: She Adam, joining us now.
3: she's not coming to the quiz next week.
2: Apparently not. Mm. It's too cold for her. She couldn't possibly. Her and Miss Jacks, you know, they'd be f- great to have. But, you know, it's just frankly too cold simple as that uh, and we'll sp- obviously we'll be speaking to share uh when we get to the raw which will be our first live broadcasting of the year. But next week, don't forget, at 8 o'clock, it is the Christmas quiz, the 2016 Christmas quiz. Tim's still got all the questions, trust me.
3: Uh, I've and had to update some of them. I'm sure you have. One of them referred to a three-time Formula One world champion.
2: Is he now a five-time Formula One world champion? He is. Yes. Uh, and uh, uh, Lewis Hamilton, there you go. That's the first point of the quiz. Um... Uh, I was going to say something else now. Oh, yeah, stay tuned, uh, because uh, Shit is back with me for the development series and the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge season review, which comes up next. Uh, but that's it for Midweek Motorsport, and not just for this episode, but for season 13. Hope you've enjoyed the 48
3: You do need to tell tours. them when season 14 right. starts.
2: Ste- season 14 will start with a midday motorsport, The week of uh, the uh, Hankook Dubai 24 Hours.
3: It's the 9th of January.
2: So, fill in with plenty of excitement over the Christmas period. And we've got some special programmes to come, including the quiz next week. But also, on Christmas Day, a very special long one, which has never been broadcast. It actually wasn't meant to be broadcast, but... We've asked, and we've been given the thumbs up, Doug Feehan, the man behind Corvette Racing, on Christmas Day. Look at the bottom of the uh, the foot of the homepage for RadioLamont.com, and it will show you the times on there. It's long, it's very long, but hey, it's Christmas. What else are you going to do when the rest of the family are fighting over who's got which present and the batteries has fallen out of them? And- Ran out already. Uh, Thank you very much to all of our contributors this year and to Tim uh, and all of his team down in London, up in London, excuse me. uh, The responsible adult who is omnipresent. I'm John Hinduff. That was the 48th episode of Series 13 of Midweek Motorsport. See you next week for the quiz. Bye bye.
0: This program is a radio show limited production.
7: Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.